Game is the fucking game. Period. It's true. It's true, Avon. Here we are. Before it's late. It's 1.22 in the morning. We were grinding that hard. I would say there's some stuff in this show that I've never heard that Fez gave us. It had me just on the edge of my seat with contest play. I mean, this guy's... It was a math lesson. Yeah, I, I got to be honest. I, I think it's getting past debate. The best contest player ever in sports handicapping. I'm not even sure it was that debatable before. So we're going to make this quick. We got a free offer and then a jumbo offer if you really like premium picks. Free offer is simple. College Bowl Bash Bonanza. There's 500 in cash, 500 in bulk dollars, all kind of prizes. Just go to pregame.com, click contest, and it's going to be the top one free college football bowl bash bonanza. It costs zero to enter, and you can win greater than zero. That's a good deal. Pretty simple. Now, if you're a guy that really commits and you say, I want the best effing price I can get, all right? I know I'm going to get Fezzik. I know I'm going to get AJ. I'm going to get Scott. Whoever you're going to get, Dave Esler. This is our best offer on a full calendar year. You can get the 24. That's the 2024 all access. That means every pick from your pro of choice, the entire season, or not season, all seasons for the calendar year, you get 24% off by using Dream24. So it's 2024, you get 24% off. So usually that all access is $1,995 for a calendar year. You're paying $1,516. All right, you're getting off. Uh, you, you know, what I would have done there is say how much you were getting discounted, right? Not necessarily say $1,516. But let me get my calculator out. And see how much you're being discounted. So we're saying, I think this is going to be over 50 bucks. You say 1995 times 0.24. That's how you do that, right, AJ? I believe so. 0.24 equals, oh my gosh, almost 500 in savings, $478. So really, I'm offering those who like the best bargain. I know some people say, well, I, I can't front that. Okay. I totally get it. That's why we offer bargains in many different ways. But if you want the cheapest, cheapest price, you know the pro you want, you want everything, this is the best offer. You can't often say something so unequivocal. If you want, insert the pro, Fazic, for the whole calendar year, this is the best offer. Just go. We don't even offer the calendar year much of the year. It's like, a, no. but it sells really surprisingly well because people get, hey, I know I want this. Why not get the best price? And you'll also get the rest of this calendar year, which is, I mean, that's that's a value Wait, in itself. So if they buy it now, they get the rest of the calendar year. Yes. Okay. And what isn't being stated here, but which is true, is if you already have access to that pro for the rest of this calendar year, you just buy it, you email us, and we'll give you the commensurate dollars. And we always make it a sweetheart deal. Or you can get another pro for the rest of the year. So, like, Wow. So you could say, I want Fezzik next year, but I already have Fezzik this year, so I'll take Scott for the rest of 2024 mm-hmm. so I can get or some hockey AJ, action. Or me. Say. All right. Or Dave Esler. Or Dave Esler. I love it. So if you're that kind of guy, this is the one, or gal, this is the one to do. If you're not, well, just 
you should learn a little bit from this, which is we're always trying to, hey, if you commit to us, we commit to you. And we've been doing this now. I mean, I've been doing this almost 20 years, but we've been selling picks this way for, I think we're moving towards 15 and not many last in this business. We do because we are customer first. Some of the pros want us to be pros first. No, we're customer first. Enjoy the pod. It's a good one. Fifteen, and we continue following Steve Fezzik's march to a title, a million-dollar title, perhaps. But we got AJ Hoffman with us. AJ, how does it feel that you're having a career? Really, I think many careers would never have a two-year run like this. Meaning, handicapper handicaps for fifteen years publicly. Does he ever have a two-year NFL run like this one? I'd say less than half would. How's your run doing? Uh, 46 and 23 this season on the pod. 66%. And how about the year? Is that 66.6? It is 66.6. So you round down? Or up? Oh, I guess 66.7%. I was just going to go with 66%, but that's all right. Well, you're humble. Yeah, I am. I'm a humble guy. How does it feel to be having a career run and it – it, you'd be in the shadows. I'm okay with it. I want. I Fez, don't think you are, first of all. I want Fez to win a million dollars. <laughs> like, me winning on this pod doesn't get anybody a million dollars. Well, I think if you add it all up, it's probably more than a million. But, it, but again, that's, <laughs> I mean, you do I mean, do the math, right? But it, I, no one I know is going to have a million more dollars except for Fez, and that's what I'm excited so for. So you're saying you don't really care about the audience. I do. But it's not as much as you care about Fez. I, I, want, Fe, I want Fez to win a million dollars. All right. Steve Fezzik joins. How you feeling, Steve? I am good, RJ. So right now, tied. Uh, well, I'll say it this way: There's two guys a half a game ahead. It's actually, one guy was wrong. I misspoke. Oh, got bad information. You didn't misspeak. You had your misinformed. I was misinformed. Someone else posted there were two guys a half game in front of me. It turns out there are two guys in front of me. One is one game in front. The other is half a game in front of me, and I am tied for third with two other people. Okay, I just had a, a, a premonition. Some would call it a premonition. You're going to be a half game behind that guy that's a game ahead of you. I don't know if that will be first and second, and I'm not hoping this is true. I ju- it just hit me. You think he's going to finish a half game behind? Uh-huh. Oh. I've already got two games to cry about, the Jacksonville plus three and a half last week and the extra point that Houston didn't kick. Remember when they took a knee when I was laying two and a half a couple weeks ago and they won by by two instead of three? Let's save this for the special recap pod <laughs> we'll do in May. Yes. <laughs> It'd be like, Steve, tell us all the games you could have won. <laughs> Let me ask you this serious question. And you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tease this and you can answer it right before your best bet. Let me ask you the question. If right now you were offered second place alone, alone, second place, how much does that pay? 500000 Okay. Would you take it? And we're going to wait. I'm, I want you to ponder. I know your instinct is, no, no, go I'll, for the goal. No, I want you to think about it. All right. But the think? answer is easy. But yes, I'll think about it. And you know what? I think his answer is yes. I think it's yes to you. All right. But we'll see. Scott Seidenberg. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't have to do any more work for the rest. I mean, it's the rest of what for a half million for the rest of the the four weeks. You, there's no downside. Oh, yeah. But to me, I think this time is actually worth. This is one of the most exciting times of a person, anyone's life. If you, I mean, if you're not the president, if you're not dealing with the highest levels of deal making, 
when you really think about it, he's making decisions that could swing a million, you know, like hundreds and hundreds of thousands. So the last two years, and this is like nowhere near what he's dealing with. But when I would go and put in my last man standing picks, <laughs> okay, and I was down like the last two years, I've been down to the last thirty people, and it pays a hundred, hundred something. So thousand that was that was this year too. Uh, last year I went to final eleven. Mm-hmm. This year I went to final thirty. And how didn't we hear about that? Because you might be the worst pick seller. <laughs> no, seriously. We did talk be. about it. No, we no, talked about we it on the college pod. Oh, great. The, the idea that I don't There's know that. There's a college that, pod? The idea <laughs> that I don't know that is really something you need to look in the mirror about. Yeah, I'm serious. It really is, like, goofy. Like, we wouldn't – I mean, Fez, you wouldn't let me go a day without – I mean, think about that. I just just the other day, I was like, RJ, I'm doing really well in the season win <laughs> contest. And, oh. and RJ's like, I think you should focus on that million, Did he say, Fez. Because <laughs> this is what RJ says. It's not all about you, AJ. That's what I was expecting to hear, so I didn't I didn't want to bring it – and also – when. When when did you think you would have heard that? There was probably a law at some point. You could have brought it up <laughs> off, yeah, air, off air. Yes. I probably should have brought it up off air and yeah. at least let him do with it what he wants. The, you think? All right. Um, <laughs> how, you would take the half million, though. Yes. Okay, okay. Stati- <laughs> statistically, for sure, that's the right play. There is one variable that I'll talk about in a second. First, though, not here, Mackenzie Rivers. You know, the thing about... You know, nothing. He's not dead. He's not dead. Let's start there. The, <laughs> the thing to think about this job, especially with this pod, is there's work for typical people and then there's life, you know, their life, personal life. And we tend to mix those up, but we tend to overlap them. I don't think, I know, I know we don't do it as well as Howard Stern, for example, but in a way that was always an inspiration for me because I felt like when I listened to that show, I, I was getting some truth. I knew I wasn't getting all the truth. I was getting some truth. That's kind of a one word, some truth. You know, it's just, you know, it's a hyphen. And that's what I've always aspired to. And I think people's responded well to the show because you're getting some truth and as much as we can give. And the reality is, is that especially when there's money involved, that is very appealing because if you don't know if you're getting some truth from someone, that's kind of new. I like it, is how seriously can you take or how much can you trust them? And I think that's the thing that people don't get. And Fez, I would say you were one that didn't get it at, you know, for the first couple of years. It was like, why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about that? It was like, now they, you know, they want to know if you ha- your hair is really real. It, it is, you know, it was funny. Well, let me say the McKenzie thing first, and then we can talk about that. Um, so when it comes to the job, McKenzie's been, he's had some passionate feelings, you know, maybe overly passionate at times. And it seems like that if you listen closely, there's been more of that recently. And there's been some political stuff on Twitter and that ventured into the extreme. And again, in general, I'm like, if it's political and it's not really controversial, you know, we can talk some about it. We don't over-talk it. I mean, my position's pretty simple. Is I will, I, I'm a libertarian. I think people should be free unless they hurt other people. So if that's controversial, you're probably listening to the wrong show, which I don't think many gamblers feel like, no, 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 we should all dictate to everyone exactly what they should do. But, it, it, you know, it got to the point where I think it was best for him and us to take a break. 
So I don't know if the official word is hiatus. You know, the soonest I would expect for him to, you know, address some stuff he needs to in his personal life, I'd say after the holidays would be the soonest. But we don't want to put any timetable on it. What I know is for years now, Mackenzie's been a loyal and dedicated worker and a contributor. And I've probably worked closest with him, you know, if you do an hour count during that time. So he's got a lot of equity with us, with me, with everyone on the pot. And, hey, if you got it, this is the time to spend it. So we're going to give him that time. And we really look forward to having him back with us. And uh, we'll keep you updated. But we're not going to put a countdown or a clock on it because, you know, that's the kind of pressure that doesn't serve anyone well in a tough time. Okay, guys, we just did a time shift in which we went into a deep dive. And Fez gave us a ton of insight regarding how to price his, now we find out a survivor percentage. And, um, you know, it'd be interesting if we found out that Fez, like, did it, went down to the crossroads you ever hear that? The old blue. You never heard Clapton has a song named. Oh Crossroads? yeah, I thought you meant like there was a real place that I didn't know. Well, about they, they say there is a real place. So what's what's the um, Crossroads myth? Do you know what that? You no. know what it means? Yeah. So the the myth is that you, as a guitarist, you would go down to the crossroads at midnight, and the devil would show up, and you could sell your soul to learn how to play guitar like Eric Clapton. Or, oh. but the guy who did that originally was Robert Johnson. Wrote a song that talked about the, you know, the, I thought it was the devil went down to Georgia and he was looking for a soul to steal. That's the that's a similar that's the same devil, but just a different story. That was for fiddle players, not guitar players. Yeah, yeah, you know that song I liked. I love that song. <laughs> was, it, there's a part where it goes, oh, you can play that there damn fiddle. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't remember exactly how it goes, but um. Who wrote, who did that song? It was a dude that um, I remember. He's, he actually played bass in a couple Dylan albums, but he's a fame. He's kind of a famous guy just himself. Charlie Daniels. Yeah, Charlie yeah. Daniels played on a couple Dylan albums on bass. Did he really? Yeah, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, bass. Was he a bass player? Look it up as we're talking. But anyway, you you guys have all heard of Robert Johnson, right? Mm-mm. So put in Robert Johnson, yeah. blues singer. Yeah, very famous He's like guitar the, player, like the, the guy. From like pre-1950, the most famous mm-hmm. musician, right? Before like Buddy Holly. And, uh, does it, it comes yeah, up on yeah, Wikipedia? Yep. What's the first sentence say? American blues musician and songwriter. His landmark recordings in 1936 and 1937 display a combination of singing, guitar skills, and songwriting talent that has influenced later generations of musicians. No doubt. And like a lot of stuff Jimmy Page was doing, a lot of stuff, you know, all those 60s guitars. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame describes him as maybe the first ever rock star. Except he, he would go around playing like at parties and bars. Like he was like a bar guy because there wasn't any. You know, it was hard. He wasn't. He was a black blues singer in the South, and it was difficult to uh, get into a bigger circuit. You know, I don't know all the details of why, but you can guess some of it. And but he was a womanizer, and supposedly he died. I think when he was twenty seven. He's in the twenty seven. Twenty seven club. Yeah, and. He got poisoned, the rumor is. No one knows for sure, but he got poisoned by a husband of a wife that he was, you know, w- you know, pit stopping with whenever he was in that town. So it was like, this is like 
one of the most influential musicians ever, and he dies at 27 because he's chasing, you know, some other girl. Or I don't even know if he was chasing her, you know. But, um, yeah, interesting. But th- there's a famous thing with him. He only wrote, I think, tw- uh, 29 songs. And I, it, it was certainly, well, he only recorded, I think, 29. I think that's the number. And it will probably say that exact number because it's like a, the guy that's that famous only having done, like, two albums worth in today's... 29 distinct songs. Yeah. And um, there was a movie in the 80s about a famous 30th lost song. It was a song Robert Johnson wrote, and and Ralph Macchio, the Karate Kid, was in it. And he played a guitarist, and then they had uh, he was he had the guitar battle against Steve Vai, right? Who was a guitarist, yeah. and it, he played like the devil's guitarist. And Ralph, and they had they go heads up. It's pretty good. <laughs> uh, guitar, fiddle, banjo, and mandolin. Guitar. But it does say that he he was a session repl- a session player in Nashville. He worked with Bob Dylan on 1969's Nashville Skyline. Mm-hmm. Worked on Leonard Cohen's Songs of Love and Hate. So he's on some, some yeah. big albums. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Now on to the action. We're going to do the same as every week. We have five weight, four weight, three weight, two weight, and a one weight. Five is the most. We start with our best bets and go down. The first three have to be sides. Five, four, and three are sides. We use the super contest line. And then the final two can be sides or derivatives but not props not props by the way my prop on uh mixon went over mm-hmm. i like that and chase brown had a heck of a day and we I, talked about it yeah his props. He, he was on the cusp i've heard yeah. more people talk about him lately but um i think that happens right like you buy a yellow car and all of a sudden you see yellow cars mm-hmm. maybe they were talking about him before but he's getting a lot of attention yep so fez we're letting you go first as you always have out of honors What's your five weight? Five weight. Detroit Lions laying four against the Denver Broncos. I'm going to keep this very simple. Uh, so obviously Detroit's been scuffling. The defense has been bad. Dan Campbell, he's been kind of combustible, if you ask me. He's <laughs> kind of acting a little crazy with all this. But bottom line is, well, I, t- crazy how? Uh, like it's getting to him, like in these these post. No, no, but but what signs do like you he's see going of for that? every fourth down? But he's always been like very analytically forward with that. But he's to the point of in his post game interviews, he's like, yeah, you know, that's on me. That was wrong. That was a mistake. I just decided to go for it. Ah. So not analytics wise, he, he he didn't say the analytics team said said he should do it. He just did it, and it seemed wrong to you. Yes, yes. Okay. So so this is the team you're betting. Yes, okay. Because it's a great spot. So mm-hmm. Detroit is a team that pe- people were talking about them getting. The one seed and being a legitimate contender for the Super Bowl. All right, their defense isn't good enough, but they're still a playoff team. And so this is—they were in a horrible spot last week at the Bears. Goff can't play outside; it's bad weather. Now they get—they get to go back to the friendly confines at home. And I love their opponent, the Denver Broncos. That's been feasting off of turnover differential. Now we get it. Part of the reason. They're a team that is built to win the turnover battle. Well, that means they should win the turnover battle on average by a half, not by, like, three like they've been doing over the past five weeks. And it's the Broncos' third straight road game, and they got gifted a win last week when Herbert got injured. I think they would have won anyways. But once Easton Stick came in, that um, that led to margin and then winning comfortably. Now they play the third straight road game, all with travel, after winning last week. Well, what I think road they, game doesn't have travel? 
some of them are short. Okay, longer travel. Yeah, they're, they're, okay. they're all significant road. Denver's not close to nothing, you know. So you're always, you know, on, on a significant, you know. Um, but they plane. never have to go super far. No, they don't. So they're not <laughs> Seattle. Um, so what were the three teams? They were uh, at Houston, at the Chargers, and now at Detroit. So would this be a fair way to encompass your handicap? To simplify it, not that it's too complicated. I'm just trying to understand it. Is the, it's a good number at four? It, it it is the correct number. Power my power ratings say the line should be but four. But based on the four. market, the yeah. market I checked a couple hours ago, I had it at four point two five. Yeah, yes. Compared to the market, I'm getting a slight the I'm getting a little bit of a of a discount. You could say five cents. Yes. All right. So five cents a discount added in with you think Detroit's a little bit. Uh, undervalued now because the bloom's off the rose and there's a lot of talk about how bad the D is. If this line were like the look ahead in this game, what do we got to look ahead at? Look ahead was four and a half. Okay, so that's interesting. Um, you feel like the, the Detroit's not oh, – I've heard people say Detroit's been overvalued for a while. Maybe they're not properly valued. What do you no. think of Detroit's valuation in the market? I think they're correctly valued. If these two, if this was a look-ahead line and it was week 16, I would not be betting this. Mm-hmm. It's all about the situation. Detroit needs this game. It's fully. They'll be fully focused off a, a bad loss against the Bears last week, and it's a bad spot for Denver. So to piggyback off of that, now this is a triple like. It's also my four weight and AJ's four weight. Okay. And speaking of the bounce back spot, under Dan Campbell, the Lions are 6-0 and against the spread in their last six games following a loss. Four of those wins came by double digits. In three of those games, they scored 33 or more points. In their last 17 games off a loss, the Lions are 12-5 and against the spread. Dan Campbell rallies the troops. He's gonna ba- he's gonna have them bounce back. And speaking of bouncing back, they only scored 13 points last week with the Lions. When they don't score 14 points or more, the following week, Jared Goff and the Lions are five and two ATS. So if it's a low scoring game for the Lions, the following week they usually correct those mistakes and they wind up scoring more points. And Goff is actually really good against winning teams, teams above 500, 7 and 1 against the spread in his last 8 games against winning teams since the start of 2021. He's 12 and 4 against uh, winning teams. And as Fez mentioned, third straight road game for the Broncos. And it's on short rest because this is a Saturday game, it's not a Sunday game. Okay. I, hmm. the whole, Dan Campbell actually, up until this last bad run, has the best ATS stats. I mean, if all you do is just look at Dan Campbell's ATS mm-hmm. prior to the last, I don't, you know, last couple of weeks it hasn't been, or three or four hasn't been as good. He's like number one with a bullet. I mean, uh, maybe just do a search on the lines and let, let me see. Is this his third year, right? So if you just yes. go from 21 on, mm-hmm. just, just lions. It's going to be like over 60, like 63 or 64. And then if we don't count the last couple, which obviously that's why these things tend to not always continue the exact same way, right? So I'm not sure how, if you're that good. What, 31 and 16. Yeah, 31 and 16. It's almost almost 66.6%. Almost. <laughs> so he's going to be good in every subcategory, really. Yeah. Uh, but you talked about some margin, so that, which was even bigger. So, okay, I accept that. Don't are we and part of this too is you think Denver is lucky because of the turnovers. Yes. Mm. But not only are they lucky because of the turnovers, so in that six and one run, they, they've got a 17 to 3 turnover margin. In the four losses that the Lions have this year, they've lost a turnover battle 10 to 1. So as lucky as the Broncos have been, 
the Lions have been unlucky in the same way. There's got to be regression coming on both sides. And the four lo- But when you say four losses, that's not four in a row. No. So I think usually you're going to be bad in turnovers when you lose. But 10 to 1? That's a good question. On average, if you lose a game, how much do you lose the turnover mark? Well, like the I'd, last go, I'd probably, probably go one and a half for an over-under. Is that well, I think right? Be, I think it'd be less than that. Really? Just because it's – I mean, a turnover margin of even two is – I think I think if let's see which way we do it. If you have one and a half turnovers, let's say you're going to lose a lot of the time. Oh, you know, yeah. you're, you're 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 right. Simply because there's going to be any game that's decided by like seven or fewer points is going to be clearly less than one turnover differential. Well, on those or, or, mostly, mostly, yeah, yeah. mostly. Sometimes it's you really, have a team, uh, as you know, someone yeah. plus minus three and they win the game. Sure. So all it does is, I think it, the way I think of it is, each turnover takes the normal distribution one big chunk over. Yeah, one like and five or two, six one points too much. That's really a leap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, okay. All right, I, I I tell you the only thing that caught now Fez, if this line were four and a half, right now and not four, would it be your three way? Would it be your two way? Like how much of it is that built-in market edge? Oh, it's always significant because I can just go and I I look at this like as, as an implied yeah, bet. Yeah, yeah. I just want to take the best number. It's just the way I'm programmed. I so would just circa, go and be, so, I would just go and lay four, you so, know, and bet and bet it, and not put it in as a contest pick. Not only. Would if it's four and a half in the contest, but if the market moves to four, uh, there's a decent chance. I would say there's a fifty percent chance this isn't even on your circuit card. Yes. Well, I don't even know what circuit's dealing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And and this line, it's been all over the place. It's been three point two five. It went up to five. Now it's back down to four. So there's been there's groups that like the favorite, and there's groups that like the dog. Obviously, at different numbers. It's a good point because this is a not a rare game, but a game that we know where the limits are on both sides. When it gets to three and a half, people are laying the favor. When it gets to five, people are taking the dog. That shows you the tight corridor. Yes. Right. Okay, AJ, you didn't have you didn't say much. Yeah. It, the other things I found the the Broncos thirtieth DVOA against the run. Uh, the the Lions are fourth offensively running the football. Like in the the Broncos just have no explosiveness to their offense. And you, I mean, you've mentioned before that's part of how they they end up not but turning the ball you, over. Couldn't you have said the? I mean, this team has won what now? Is it five out of six? Denver? Yes. I mean, you could have said this after the before the first game, after the first game, after the second, after. It's like, at what point are we going to say maybe this is a formula that wins? Right, the 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 not turning the ball over, you know, and controlling it the best you can. Meaning sometimes you can't control it, tip balls, but sometimes you can. I don't know. I just respect. I think in this day and age of of thirty second sound bite or ten second sound bites and people on X that <laughs> that <laughs> what 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 Sean Payton is doing, I think, is real. You should. Teach a clinic on it. I think if I was a coach, I would want to watch a three-hour like breakdown of how he's doing this. Because he's winning games. I mean, if I would have said, what's the odds of Denver winning five out of the next six, six games ago? Zero. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so, basically. So we got to appreciate it's not – and I don't think it's all luck. You know, I'm not saying you, you don't fade him here because I would say this is the first – I'm surprised that the look-ahead line was only four and a half because – it feels like Detroit's finally gotten priced in a reasonable way uh, off you know, that last week's loss. Is there any edge with these two guys having familiarity? I think from, obviously worked together for a long time in New Orleans. Oh, that's a great point. Well, I always believe that the better coach has an edge in that stuff. 
Who's the better coach right now? Oh, shot. What? Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I was I I got I was confused for a second. I was thinking about the Saints versus Denver. No, no, I'm no, saying I, 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 yeah. I, I think anyone who puts a coach list is going to have Sean Payton better coach than Dan yeah. Campbell. I mean, like, who's going to be coaching in the NFL seven years? You want to, Would you be making a big bet Dan Campbell's still going to be a head coach? I would. I would. I wouldn't. Well, I think there's a decent chance he, he, he has medical issues from his heart. You know, <laughs> he, no, but he's so passionate. He's in great shape. I think Dan Campbell's here to stay just because I think that, that, that hard knocks got his brand so good. I would say if there was a, a poll of NFL fans, Dan Campbell's going to be fifth or sixth as the best coach, as one of the five or six best coaches. Sure, but like, well, I for, and I forgot his name, the Miami coach that um, had all the, the, the legal issues then with oh, the organization. It, it, yeah, the Vikings DC now. Yeah, yeah. I Brian mean, Flores. Like, Flores. And he was he was going to get you know coach of the year. There's there talk about him, you know, mm-hmm. and now he's not he's not a head coach anymore. Yeah, but he will be. Yeah, I think I he used, will. Be. I used an example to help make my point. No, 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 but 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 I think that was one where when that Miami story broke, they they were really trying to solly his character. Yeah. In a way that that you never heard about before there was trouble. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, let's just say this: if you and AJ are on the same pick, I actually tend to want to like it because I think AJ's he, been so good. He's been so good. You've been good, but I I think that. You guys go about it in different ways. I yes. was I was talking about he and I go about it in different ways, and if we agree on something, I think it really has value. And if we if he disagrees, I got to think about it. What am I missing? So on this one, I would say I dis I I would lean Denver to be honest. But well, last question. You said Detroit needs this one. How so? Just in terms of the the, the press right conferences and yeah the right to ship idea. But that's not a, that's not. If a, they lose this game, they're, they 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 can say you know adios to ever to being any kind of consideration of being able to make a playoff run. I think that that's a fair statement. That there that that there's already there already are um, holes in the ship right now. And if they, if they lose this one, it's going to be like, ah, they're going to make the playoffs, but they're not a contender. Well, they That's what people game, are going to say, but it doesn't really affect their ability five weeks from well, now. We talk about a motivate, but a motivated favorite. But yeah. also a loss here. They're coming up with two games against the Vikings, and if the Vikings are within two games, then the Vikings can certainly win the division. It, and and this game is kind of like the separating point. If the if the Lions lose this game, the worst the Vikings can be is two games back. The best it could be is one game back. And the, the third game that the uh, Lions have left is at Dallas. So, I mean, nobody's had any success at Dallas. So they yeah, but know just that, in terms of the division, if they lose this game. If they lose yeah. both to the Vikings, they're going to Exactly. They, the Vikings control their destiny if they lose this game. If the Lions lose this game, the Vikings control the, NF, the NFC North. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't control. They control their they own both, destiny. Yes. They both, both teams yes, control because, it. Yes, yeah, because they play two games against the Lions. But the you odds win, you win those both and you, you, you got it. Yeah, the odds would still be what I'm guessing twenty. Right now, the odds of Minnesota winning the division is like twenty percent. I think that's oh, accurate. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. All right, so I I did a little deep dive on uh, quarterbacks in their split situations. So I'm going to kind of sprinkle those in, and this will be my last comment on this game. Is both of them are in a bad situation. One of them is a little bit more quirky, but this is interesting. Golf has played three Saturday games in his career. 0-3 with uh, a ton of turnovers in those games. It's three games, mm-hmm. but that it was so extreme. But this is a little bit more noteworthy. Russell Wilson has played 16 games in domes. Mm-hmm. That's a full season, or used to be a full season. And he's 5-11 and straight up. 
and um, minus eight points on the uh, quarterback ranking. So I I used my splits from Pro Football Reference, which doesn't have QBR in the splits. That makes me happy because we know Jared Goff, great indoors. Russell Wilson, bad indoors. Jared Goff, great indoors. That's a good match. That's interesting. If only it weren't Saturday. No, we don't know. All right, good stuff. Uh, Next game. Uh, Your five-weight game is also my one-weight game, Baltimore Ravens, minus three. Yes, and somehow I think this might be the only time I've ever made Baltimore a best bet. <laughs> I, I'm I don't think I ever have. I don't I think do, you. Bet I don't recall you either. doing it either. <laughs> yeah, it's just I'm, I know I follow them so closely. I guess I see the see the, but I guess considering they have what one playoff win in ten years, maybe I'm being right about it. I don't know, but I like this spot. The first thing you got to do is look at what the look ahead line was. Right, and we're getting three in this game. It was three and a quarter with the market last time I checked. What are you seeing, Fez? That's what I see, yeah. So we're laying the three, right. All right, so right off the go, that's putting it higher on the list. But the look-ahead line was six that, that I logged, and now it's three? What's happened during this time? Okay, Jacksonville didn't what, what, almost, get covered. Play, almost covered. Almost <laughs> covered. Right? And, and, and here's the thing that I find crazy. The look-ahead line assumed – that Trevor Lawrence was probably going to be in the midst of a high ankle sprain. That's a good point. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I don't understand. Is is how is it that that I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence when he played was pretty much he, he didn't play great. I no, mean, no, no, yeah. No. So, so it, it's not like we can say, oh, Trevor Lawrence is a hundred percent. He didn't I mean, look a hundred percent. He threw three picks and yeah. had a fifty-six percent completion rate. He didn't not play great. He played. Poorly, like he piled up some yards, but he did if not. If we play didn't well. know he had a high ankle sprain, we would say that's one of his worst games of the yeah. year, no doubt. Yeah. So a lot of the stats when they were down, also high ankle. Which it's in it, it, if you're down one possession with three minutes left, it's tougher to do well then. But if you're down more than that, it's easier to do well. They were down fourteen, yeah. Which means that you you got to take his statistics and say it was in an easy uh, context. It was. So to me. A high ankle sprain is minimum three weeks. His mustn't be as bad, so he was able to play. Let's give him credit for gutting it out. But it's not like it's going to be 100%. Remember, Mahomes had something similar, and Mahomes wasn't 100% a week after the first time he played last mm-hmm. playoffs. So I think we got a hobbled Russell Wilson, and we got a Baltimore team that won. So they're still in it for the number one seed, but they had a scare. They didn't cover. They had a scare against, I think, a very good Rams team. And it's hard for me to think Jacksonville got upgraded. I guess you could call the upgrade as Lawrence playing where before they, they, they did. Yeah, they didn't get upgraded. They, 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 at best, you could say. Keep I'm them saying the same. from the look ahead line yeah. that assumed maybe Lawrence wasn't playing, I guess. Yeah. The Jags and the la- and defensively, it feels like there's some real leaks in this Jags team, and it'd it been oh they're so good against the run, and they had been, but it's it's not looking that way anymore. The last two weeks, they've given up 65 points to Joe Flacco and Jake Browning. Now they get Lamar Jackson. It, it feels like a, a different level there, and there's also going to be, it, it, you know, obviously in Florida, the weather changes all the time. But the weather forecast is looking ugly in Jacksonville, like heavy oh, so, rain. So, so my, my, my understanding, let's, let's dig into the weather, because my understanding is that it's going to be windy, windy in Miami, and that's supposed to be the bad weather, and Jacksonville is supposed to be much more mild. Not saying it's going to be perfect, 
But my understanding is, That's, is that what you're hearing? Yes. So what are you seeing as the official report, AJ? Okay, I'll look take, it up. Yeah, take, rain, yeah. 78% of chance of rain during the day, 17-mile-per-hour winds. Now, 17, 20 in, is supposed— In Jacksonville. In Jacksonville, yeah. yes. So 20 is the threshold of, like, it's trouble if it's 20. We're talking three miles. I don't know, right? So it could be. But I'll tell you this. I've had ankle sprains. I don't think a slippery field helps. Hmm. Is my gut feeling, Mm -hmm. right? So, and this is back to Lamar when he is playing a team in his division versus not. The more unfamiliar the opponent is, the better it is for Lamar because he's an unusual player. He has unusual talents. Uh, His quarterback rating is 102 outside of his division. Career, it's 90 inside the division. That's a pretty big difference. And I think, again, Trevor Lawrence, there is a tendency – it, to think of players as binary. They're in, they're out. But that's not – they might be in, but they might be 50%, 60%. And you don't hear a lot about it while it's happening, but after they'll go, Trevor Lawrence was one. Oh, he hurt himself six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. He didn't get healthy for four weeks. Then he had that breakout game. I think we got to take that seriously. Not only that, but remember who they played last week. They played the Cleveland Browns, who hits the quarterback more than anybody, the Cleveland Browns. He got hit a lot last week. And he, I, I can't imagine he's feeling better right now or much better than he was a week ago. And now he's going against another physical defense. It, it just feels like they're, they almost feel desperate, like they've got to have him out there. And, and I don't think it's great for their long term. So this is on my list of potential one weights. All right. Um, uh, it's under consideration for me. And it's the Ravens bounce back factor. It was a win, but it wasn't a cover. And you want to call, uh, you know, punt return overtime. And it, it wasn't just not a cover. They could have lost the exactly. game. Exactly. This season, after an ATS loss, the Ravens are 4-0 against the spread, covering by 16.12 points per game. So <laughs> whether it's an outright loss or or, uh, or uh, ATS loss, they bounce back in a big way. So, Fez, you don't have this game. I do not. Now, that blows my mind because with the with – the, Ten cents of value, three point uh, two five versus three. I thought you had you have to really like Jacksonville at, at, at the current market. I don't like them. My veto guys bet Jacksonville. Okay, they okay. bet Jacksonville and they took three and a half. So I I said all right. I, I that was enough to right for now to keep me off of Baltimore. Okay, that's it. So in th- but I, my analysis agreed with you. Okay, that's interesting. Um, but the theory is even if. You, both bets could be both bets could have a slight. There could be a slight edge in both bets, right? Tw- I guess twenty cents. They're both break evens, like yeah. against minus one ten. Or one of us, you know. Yeah. Or yeah, because they must think the bet's fifty four and a half or fifty five. Maybe, maybe not because Jacksonville goes for two when they're down four late <laughs> in the game, so it doesn't land three as often. Any closing thoughts? AJ? You, nope. You've told us also the Jaguars' home road splits. They're much better on the road than they are at well, home. Trevor Lawrence specifically. Yeah, yeah. Over the past two seasons. And seven and eight against the spread at home. Okay, this season two and four ATS. Yeah, I think the, I think the uh, bloom is off the rose with Jacksonville. It feels like there's something wrong in that. I mean, I'll tell you this: Trevor Lawrence. It's official. We got people questioning: Is he ever going to be really good? Because I looked at, I, I begrudged it, but I thought he'd take the leap to like where Dak's been re- um, up till this year: eighth, ninth, seventh. You know that range. I don't think that's legitimately true at this point. Mm. Would he? I mean, he's in year three. 
Year three, you either are a top quarterback or you're not. It's almost like, that's almost like the case. It's usually you got to be showing a lot of signs after in the end of year two, which he did. Yep. I would make the case Trevor Lawrence played better the second half of last year than he played this year. I have him eleventh. And that's despite all these quarterback injuries. Yeah. Remember, there's been that means he's more like 14, 15. Who's nine and ten? Uh, nine is Purdy, ten is Goff. Well, I think that's fair for sure. Yeah, as much as Goff, people love. It's like when Mahomes has a bad game. Again, Mahomes is the best. But when he has the bad game, it's like, oh, it's a bad game for Mahomes. That happens. Goff has a bad game. It's like, see, he's on the road. He's he's got small yeah. hands. It's like, what about the four games in between that he was mm. killing it? All right. That's my best bet, Baltimore, minus three. Plus the Jags have this employee that was fired for stealing $22 million who's reportedly like— He's a big DraftKings kind of—oh, not DraftKings, but yeah, daily he, fantasy better. And he's supposedly one of the worst, like— Did you see that report, RJ? Players. Yeah, yeah. Like, like he, he, he would have the, st- the starting lineup like two of his guys weren't playing. Yeah, yeah or, or for, some he wouldn't even submit a lineup and it's like a $3,000 Yeah, and so he's risking all this money, but he's like not playing it. It's really weird. And you got to ask yourself— how can you have an organization, one that's not buttoned up accounting-wise, to spot the $22 million, and two, no one internally is, like, able to see this, you know, this is applying on. for the Jags. He went, <laughs> I, I, I got to tell you this, and, and we don't ever talk politics, yeah. but I'm, I'm like, I, I, I hate this, like, oh, this addiction society. It's not my fault. I was trying to pay back my gambling debts by, like, not submitting my picks with money I embezzled from the company. I'd sentence them to two life sentences. <laughs> <laughs> well, I agree that, well, I guess to me, what I'm afraid of, is this becomes a cautionary tale against gambling on sports. Mm -hmm. But let's be candid. This happens just as much, if not more, in casino gambling. This happens in drug use. There's all these vices. This is a great point. And I firmly believe that a whole lot of people who get in trouble with the gambling vices would have just effed up their life with some other vice if it wasn't for the gambling. And even if they wouldn't have, it's not society's job to be the nanny state. It's to put protections in place— and I'll tell you this, as much as I am libertarian, I actually think if someone's betting huge at a book or any of this stuff, that maybe there should be, and I, I haven't thought this all the way through, but if you're betting huge, I mean like a way that a, a person shouldn't, you should have to, you know how you get a credit line, right? A line of credit sure. and you go up to the casino and they check your bank accounts they check, and they say, can this guy pay it back? If you're betting extreme amounts... Shouldn't they have to check how you're getting this money? I'm not saying they had to figure it all out, but it seems like if someone like there's a movie owning Mahoney, right? Have you ever seen this? I've it, heard of it. It's I, a I, great movie. Philip Seymour Hoffman played. You've seen it? Yep. A compulsive gambler. And um, he's embezzling from a bank and he's a, a Canadian bank. He's a brilliant banker and he knows how to do it. Right. But he, you looked at him, he looked like any crack addict or whatever. He was gambling. He loved it. Remember? The, oh, you didn't see it. The guy in this eye in the sky goes, look at him. He's a pure thoroughbred. He goes, <laughs> he, goes he doesn't want to eat. He doesn't want to drink. He doesn't want to, you know, F. He wants to bat, you know? Yep. And, it's like, and if, you're, if you're like that, I, I'm not saying you don't have to pay your price for what you do. But, man, if a, if a school teacher's betting millions of dollars— Maybe we should know how they're doing it. And I know that's not libertarian, but I don't know. What do you think, Phil? Max Rubin sums it up best in his book, Comp City and mm-hmm. Comp City 2. The casino, and, this is, and the book was written 20 years ago, yeah. so maybe things have changed. They have two criteria. 
all right, for a guy that's asking for credit. One, do they have the money in their bank account? Two, have they ever stiffed a casino before? Mm. If the answer to question one is yes and question two is no, they, then absolutely we welcome them in. And, and guys like Barkley, allegedly, I mean, I guess he's talked about it. It, listen, you get a buzz going, you, even for, you know, whatever number of drinks get, you know, AJ, so you say that Saturday night's the night you'll have, get a buzz on sometimes. Yeah. How many beers does it take you? Probably seven. I drink, Eight. Beer, I, I drink beers that Nine. doesn't take as many, probably four or five beers. Oh, like you, like big, like German No, beer? he doesn't stop. He's, he's just like, that's like when a, the buzz that's starts. Exactly. Like nine or 10% ABV beers, which is like drinking oh my goodness. three Bud Lights. And how many of those does it take? Four or five. Wait a second. Let me do some quick math. So it takes 15 drinks to get a buzz? Oh, uh, to get a buzz? How much of your brain is dead? Probably three. Three of those beers will get me a buzz. <laughs> all right, all right. There was a guy, he passed away where I grew up. He drank and drank and drank. And one time I sat in a bar and watched him drink like 15 drinks. His nickname was Mars. And I go, hey, Mars, how you feeling? He goes, I got a little tingle. <laughs> it's like Andre the Giant. Yeah. So, I had a friend like that. He was like 6'4". He's like, you know, pushing 300 pounds. This like, dude was real thin. It's like, no matter what he drank, never, never, <laughs> never affected him. Yeah. Like, Same thing, my buddy Frank. Oh, it's a good story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in high school. We're total squares. We don't even drink at all. He's like, we're in Marion's Pizza. He's like, don't look over. But look over that guy at the table. He had a pitcher of beer with yeah. his pizza. He's like, he's going to drink the whole thing. Himself, like it was like some like he couldn't fathom this. What an alcoholic! I tell you this: a cold beer with pizza is one time I like beer. Like, it, but it has to be from the the tap. Oh yeah, I don't want any bottles of beer with the pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you guys serve beer at your or do you serve it at the pizzeria? No, but there was a liquor store next door. So if anybody brought it in, we were just brown like, bag. We, it? we were okay with it. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, but my question, last question, is Fez. Don't you think? That's the casino's perspective, and it's not their job to want to care about this. But society's is. Would it be wrong to say how is this person betting mil- you know hundreds of thousands of dollars? And there may, like I said, this was twenty years ago. There may well have been, and this is where I don't like regulation. I you don't know, as a libertarian, but it really would make sense that like a casino has to do enough research that someone can can show and just for money laundering and other reasons, which is a whole other point. Yeah. Right? Why? How is this person able to afford this line of credit they're requesting um, without, you know, a clear documentation from their income or the amount of money they're betting yeah. is. But again, I, I would be super careful. Right. The last thing you want to do is getting the government in the bid. Maybe it's a it's a third party commission that that's interesting. It's a third party commission. The government's not involved, but casinos can opt in or opt out. But then if you don't opt in and you have cases like this, it starts to make you look bad. And and the casino is and you're you're aware of this. They're they're um, obliged to file what's called a suspicious activity report for 10,000 or more in cash. The 10,000 is a currency transaction report. Absolutely. But should they feel that there's some dubious ways, like the money's being, like people bringing in yeah, chips and stuff? Yeah, but that's, that's a, see no evil, hear no. The, yeah, the, and the truth is they only do it when they don't like the clientele. Like they're, they're trying to like get at them for some reason, typically. It's, it's famous in the poker community long, long time ago. I think this was the mid-80s, and this is interesting because there's a movie star that gets dragged into this, is Doyle's playing, and there's a guy from Texas that it was a known one of the biggest drug dealers in the entire country, right? It was, yeah. I think it was Hispanic. He would come up and just he wanted to play with Doyle. And he would drop tons of money. 
Well, it ends up he was going uh, up, you know, going to jail, and he thought that the judge was bad, so like unfair. So he and I think I'm getting this story right. He hired Woody Harrelson's dad. Look this up. Um, and he in in this Harrelson dude who was kind of on the periphery of the organized crime ended up whacking out the judge, and he got caught. And now he is still in jail, Woody Harrelson's dad, for, for that killing. So let's make sure I'm right on Charles that. Charles Void Harrelson was an American contract killer and organized <laughs> crime figure who was convicted of, ooh, I don't want to say the word, assassinating <laughs> federal judge John H. Well, Wood. A federal judge, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, Charles Harrelson was the father of Brett and Woody Harrelson. He died in 2007, though. Oh, okay. All right. Maybe the book, I read a lot of old books, so maybe it was like he was still alive. Until, <laughs> but, I mean, think about it. But you don't think the casinos know where his money was coming from? Yeah. So I'm not sure in that case they should even do anything because they know at least he's not stealing, he's stealing it. By illegal activity, but the government knew that, right? And it's not in the casino's best interest to ask too many questions. Nah. Yeah, they, yeah, they're not looking out after your best interest. I mean, it's like the dude uh, Andy. B, who's the dude from Texas that was in the suicide? Uh, the Suicide King, the guy that Andy played the Beal. corporation. Uh, that was, yeah, he I was the so. banker, and. They didn't know who he was. He starts showing up, betting a ton of money, and they researched him before they decided because he was a, just a billionaire that yeah. decided to do that. All right, fascinating stuff. I actually thought when somebody from the Jags stole twenty-two million dollars, it was Nick Foles. Statue of limitations got to be up by good. now. That was pretty good. Too. You worked that all the way through. Well, I actually looked up his contract with the Jags: four years, eighty-eight million. Then I went. That's $22 million. I bet it could have been him. Maybe you should do a tweet on this. That's pretty clever. <laughs> An X on it? No, I'm serious. That's clever. I, I like that. Next game. Uh, my five weight, the Buffalo Bills, minus two against the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, RJ threw his headphones back. Are you looking for the button? No, no, no. I was I was looking to go get some water, but I want to talk about uh, this I game. am on the Bills also, four weight. Ooh, that is square. Oh, go ahead. Uh, listen, Dallas has been phenomenal for the last few weeks. I, I was on Dallas last week, and they— You don't have to tell us about every winner yet. Okay. <laughs> but they've been way better at home than they've been on the road, and they've been pretty lucky from a turnover standpoint, too. And then the Cowboys—Cowboys Cowboys have won five straight games. That win against the Eagles last week was their first win this season against a team that currently has a record above 500. They are nine and one against teams that have a losing record. Yeah, but but here's the question. I, I know you hate it. that. I, no, I, but here's the question: it, How many games did they lose against winning teams? They're one and two against winning teams. And that's who? That is Philly, Philly, San Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah, that's their two losses, and then a win against Philly. Okay, so they split against a team, and so it's one loss really is what matters. Because splitting against a good team is fair, right? Yeah. Fair. All right, so they lost to San Francisco. And, and, then, and they've dominated pretty much every other game. And how yes. many other te- how many other te- that means they've played ten games against yeah. teams with a losing record, yeah. and three against teams per- with a winning. Pursuant to what AJ is, is is saying is that Mike McCarthy, despite his professing to have studied analytics mm-hmm. all during the offseason, he's not a coach we trust to win a close game. Nor has he had any close games this year to really um, uh, make it, make me confident that the team is going to respond should this game wind up going tied into the fourth But quarter. see, that's what's interesting. What you're saying is, and it actually intrigues me because I got some stats, to, or a stat to back up your point there about Dak specifically, but 
if you're laying two, two, what is it here? Two? Two. Two. When you're laying two and you're thinking this is going to be a close one, that means you don't think you got a very good pick, right? Well, I'm saying there's a good, no, I'm saying that there's a, if the, if the number should be two. Other than inexperience in close games, let's say this year, right? Wouldn't you agree, Fez, that no matter how tough the competition is at the NFL level, there's a commensurate score which is equal to you beating the best and the worst team? Exactly right. right? So you can play a totally cupcake schedule. I do think it's kind of like, you know how we always talk about Gonzaga doesn't win the national championship uh-huh. because they're just not battle-tested. Yeah, even, even though they're power rating through the mm-hmm. moon, they don't have enough experience. But I think in the NFL, everybody's good. Yeah, so it's, a yeah. Little, it, it's a little—it's totally—it's not like you're playing St. Mary's and Pepperdine. Um, but, but real quick, is let's say that the— Best team has a plus eight. The worst team has a minus eight. That is typical. This year you got San Fran. Yeah, San Fran higher at ten, and the worst team is a minus eight, Carolina. So, 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 in that range. So spot on. I do think, like in this game, as far as the spot. So Jerry Jones gets interviewed. And he says, "Is this the biggest win that McCarthy under McCarthy the Cowboys have had?" And he's like, "Oh, absolutely. This clearly stands out." Well, that's the type I want to fade a team off their biggest win but if they since this, the coach yeah, has been there. If they lose this next game, though, it, it's all for naught. Oh, I think it's who do you think is more desperate anyways. though, Dallas or Buffalo? Dallas I isn't going to win this division. Well, here's the thing. This is fascinating. Right now, Dallas is in first place. Don't care. Yeah, but they don't. But they, they, I know. They don't I know. That. That's what I'm saying. Is yeah. that is fascinating that right now they're in first, but if they win out, the, you know, like Philly's a monster favorite to win this division. Monster. Well, I tell you this: if they both win or both lose this week, I, I think it's only this spot with Dallas and Buffalo. They're a dog, right? I think the odds of Philly winning out aren't great. I, I I mean I not, agree with that. So you know, but, but I, Dallas is going to Dallas has two very losable games back to back. I I can't see him winning them. Both. What's the next game? At Miami. Okay, I see your point there. Um, huh? Philly's minus three hundred. Dallas plus two forty. Okay, that Miami's a tough. When one. was the last time you saw that situation? The teams are done it's playing for, each yeah. other. A team has the tie breaks if the season ended. They're playing as good as anybody in the NFL, and they're plus two forty. No, it is. So the only thing I would say, AJ, something to ponder is when there's only seventeen games, you got to find a way. I think, and again, you've been killing it, and I respect it. You got to find a way to make every game matter to some degree because you can't just dismiss them if it was against. I mean, Seattle is not a bad team. You know, when you beat Seattle, it has to mean something, right? Whatever the record dropped to. Sure. So, but but that said, obviously you're you're doing amazingly well. But that's why we're here to kind of talk approaches through. So, Fez, I have a question. So, KC minus one and a half last week, and now we've got Buffalo at home minus two. Does that seem like a fair line flip for it, Buffalo's home field? It actually seems aligned, right? Because so Buffalo, Buffalo they, was a little bit better than KC, and now they're laying a little bit more. It right, kind of, so if Buffalo was um, catching one and a half at Kansas City, then they'd be laying one and a half if they were home against Kansas City, and that means against Dallas, oh. it should be pick them. Yeah. yeah. So, and, 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 you know, I'll, I'll be the first to admit. And you have to upgrade Dallas. Power, oh. so wait, power rating-wise, I make this pick them, and, and so immediately, but I, I like situationally. I thought you never went against your power rating. Well, I'm also in here. Here's where you, you used to look at me like I was that crazed guy. And then you, 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 I think you, you actually did the independent research. I got a team in Texas, and they're going to Orchard Park in December. It's going to be 40 degrees, and that obviously benefits Buffalo, the cold weather. How much does it benefit them? I think it's worth at least a point. Dak only played one game last year, and Tim's below 50 degrees was Week 19 against Washington. 
128 yards, 37% completion rate, mm. 15.9 QBR. What about historic? Well, so I read about this, yeah. and Dak was talking about when his thumb got repaired. Oh, I remember this. That they put some kind of plate in it, and it makes his hand stiffen up in the cold. And he played the SEC, right, now so this he didn't gets have any experience. This gets yeah. interesting. Well, he didn't play his first game below 50 degrees until his second year in the NFL, which is crazy. So pro football reference, you can do a search on temperature. I'd be mm. interested in his career. Um, let me tell you something that may here's, – here's what I just naturally bristle against is one team's better, but we're going to try to assume who wants it more, and that's what drives the handicap. The cold, that's tangible stuff that I sure. believe in. I'm not sure which of these teams wants it more. I think – listen, this Buffalo thing looks like a, it's a – I mean, it looks like a disaster. I mean, what's the if Buffalo doesn't make the playoffs, what's the odds McDermott keeps his job? Zero. Well, I, mm, unlikely. I'd, I'd say twenty five percent. Okay. And if I would have said before the year started, what's the odds McDermott's going to get fired at the end of the year? Five percent. This yeah. thing's spiraling out of control. I also think what happened. I you know I I kind of have. I like I, I'm perverse in that I like extremes. I kind of wanted to see Buffalo lose that game last week, just because it would have on that like lateral. It would have been like the worst. It would have been like how could it get worse? And it happens there. But but in a weird way, it's you like, just wanted to talk to me about it. Like no, I you want to say how do you feel? Well, yeah, I want the audience to know. <laughs> but 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 to me, how much? How many of these games do they have in them? They go to Philadelphia. They just had a buy. Well, but, but apparently the bye didn't help Philly all that much because the Philly had a bye not that long ago, and they were so tired against San Fran. That's right. That was. I mean, I thought I liked Philly because I didn't think they'd be mm-hmm. tired after the bye. Well, let's think about connect the lines. Let's connect this. Philly opened up what three and a half against Buffalo, right? And then it ended up going to three. Then it finally yes, touched right. two and a half. Right? Yes, it closed two point seven. Yes. Uh, I think probably two point nine. I, I yeah, mean, they, was, yeah, yeah. There were there were two and a halves, but they got gobbled. Was, yeah, they got okay. taken out. So let's accept the fact. Come Thursday or Wednesday, it was still three and a half, right? So that everyone thought Buffalo, man, they're getting a lot of respect. They're getting a lot of respect. Well, we know Philly. Go ahead. It, it, by Thursday, the three and a halves were all gone. Three and a right, half so was maybe early it's Wednesday because when we did the pod last Wednesday, the the line was or two Wednesdays ago, the line was three in the contest, and you asked me why I wasn't on it, and because I took three and a half from like my clients got three and a half. And I told you mentioning I pay it the then. Was, fine. I, I told you mentioning it then was inappropriate. Now you're mentioning it. Again. Well, I'm just reminding you of how, that's how I remembered well, what the line was on Wednesday. Yeah. It's oh, so Tuesday then. It's the okay. point is that you could have bet a million dollars on it at three and a half it, it, across a bunch of books Monday morning. You know what? I'm right or wrong? I'm wrong. What? I, the market has completely changed. I agree with you. you. Used to be able to bet tons. It is remarkable. These books are running scared. I looked at like so. Cir- what's the circa Monday morning limit? Well, let me tell you what the limit is on. On Thursday's game, we're taping this Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. What do you think you can bet on that Charger Raider game? Well, right first now? off, it's circle though. You that's, got two, you had two quarterbacks that we didn't expect to play. That's fair enough. So let me look up all, all the games. The answer is twenty thousand, which shocked me. It's still so to be circled that much that late in the week against the one book that really takes big action. Um, but if in, I, in town, in town. But if I look at like uh, if I look at Viking Bengal game. Uh, Saturday? Mm-hmm. It is for Saturday. 30,000 is the limit at Circa. All right. Good luck getting down a million. All right. So Monday morning, you could have got 100,000 down if you spread it around. 
If you had enough spots, yes. Yeah. If you I mean, if you had even, you could have got, I think you could get $10,000. I mean, on average, $10,000. You get 10000 Westgate, 10000 yeah. Station, so 5000 win. Yeah, yeah. If, if, if you, you hit them all. If you hundred, it means that it was a valid line. It, I agree. hundred k is a good number. And, and that's just in Nevada, I'll say. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, listen, I don't know if you know about these Asian markets. No. <laughs> you always hear about all the Asian markets where you can bet $10 billion. But, um... So to me, all right. So that now we know Philly. Everyone, you know, everyone didn't know. I didn't really know. But Philly's turned out to be not that great. But I guess we got to think about how they were perceived then. All right. But what we know for sure is Philly was considered to be uh, forty cents better, or well, really fifty cents better than Buffalo, right? Because you're yep. going through the three at least earlier in that week. And now Buffalo fifty cents better, and now Dallas, who is clearly better than Philly. Mm-hmm. Is a lesser team. It's saying Buff. Really, that Philly line said that Philly is fifty cents better than Buffalo, and now this line is saying Buffalo is better than Dallas. And we know Buffalo is not better than Dallas. Okay, Dallas you, is better by two points. You think the situation is that big? Yeah, the situation is. It, it's it's everything. And also, I got to be honest. I've seen this happen a lot. When the situation, when it when the game should be lined close to pick them, and the situation is overwhelming in the side of one team, that team always takes the money. I'm not saying it wins, but it always takes the money. But it doesn't. Isn't what matters is if it wins or not. Yes. <laughs> because that I, I heard someone talking. I can't remember who, and they said, "Yeah." He goes, "I don't know what line I or I don't really like this, but I think it's going to close a little higher." So my pick is. It's like almost like the score doesn't it's matter. It's it, it, the me. score doesn't to... matter. It's what we think the market's yeah. going to do. And and I could tell you this: if this line got to three, there were the rodeos in town here in Vegas. These NFR guys are going to be rushing to the window, betting on their Dallas Cowboys plus three, the better team, and the pros. You know, I, I, the better team getting three is just a bridge way too far. Scott, you could dress in a cowboy hat, I know. head down to South Point, and, and, and be counting cards like crazy. They won't know what's going <laughs> they on. They won't know who you are. Just say, thank you, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, one, one, oh, I have a couple stats on Dak here. You know, I will agree with you in this way, Fez. I always fight when I think it's the worst team, but then someone's saying, oh, the situation. Because to me, how do you put a price on that? And, and if this line was three and a half, situation strong. You know, so that's what confuses yeah. me a little bit. That said, this backs up you guys on the situation. <laughs> In the last eight games, Dallas has not played one team that has been defensively ranked or is currently defensively ranked better than 20. Mm-hmm. Now, the odds of that, Fez, we were th- just thinking beforehand because if it's a non-division team, and here's the teams, the Chargers, the Rams, Philly twice, the New York Giants, Carolina, Washington, Seattle. Their rankings are uh, Chargers 27, Rams 23, Philly 20. This is um, DVOA. Giants 22. Carolina 29, Washington 32, Seattle 26. There's only you can only play division teams twice in that period and that's only uh well I guess you only I guess you could have played the Giants twice, but maybe they even played them before. So it's almost like there's hardly any 20s left at the end of that to slip in the non 20. And even if there wasn't that removal bias. Yeah. It would still be one-third to the eighth power, which is like a 6,000-to-1 parlay. So they've had such an easy, if we trust DVOA, such an easy run 
again, since I have a Dak MVP, I'm not going to complain, but I do think it calls into question how good Dallas is, though let's not forget he's had MVP numbers against these defenses. And Buffalo's not that good defensively. This was the point that I made last week when I was on the Eagles. I was looking at it the other way with the Cowboys' defense going up against the offenses that they've played. Mm. And with the exception of, like, the Eagles and the 49ers, like, no offense has been ranked high. They've played, you know, the the Panthers, the Commanders, the Patriots, the Jets, the Giants, and I questioned how good the the Cowboys' defense was. Yeah, so I think, these I think are valid, valid questions. And they looked vulnerable against Seattle. There's yes. no doubt about it. I'm more confident against the about the Dallas offense than the Dallas defense. I, I agree with yeah. that. Although I much prefer the Seattle offense for whatever reason at home. That that is just a juggernaut at home. But I also, I mean, I think Dallas's offense at home, same thing. Like I feel great about Dallas's offense at home. I think their home road split is significant for Dallas yes, for sure. All right, last question, AJ, to you. The tight end. Uh, that was hurt is coming back. Austin Knox. He came back last week. Oh, he came back. Okay. So now the other tight end is a little banged up. Yeah. The question is, they changed their offense when the first tight end got hurt, and they opened it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do you think they go back to running the ball? I mean, like, does that concern you? Because people would make the case the open offense has done better. I mean, it does seem like that what we're saying here is do we look at Buffalo's numbers recently or do we look at the numbers when they had both tight ends doing what they wanted to do, but they have a new OC? Yeah, I was about to say, it's a different coordinator when they had both tight ends. Yeah, Yeah, and and even last week, even before Kincaid got hurt, they were running the ball a lot more. Which uh, tells me that they're going to go back to where they were. Yeah, maybe so. Josh Allen's going to run the ball a ton. Josh Allen against a man defense is going to run a lot, in my opinion. So do we like the under here? 50 and a half is a big number. Yes. I just hope Dak doesn't throw two interceptions. Mm. That's all. And Purdy better have a good game if he does. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This is a fascinating game. I'd say it's one of the top six or seven games of the year. Yep. Yeah. Stakes. Yeah. If I had to bet right now, and I, I don't have to, I would take Dallas. I just have, but I usually, I think I should just learn not to fade these things. I should just learn to pass them. That's what I'm going to do. Next I thought, game. I thought when I said Buffalo, I thought you were instantly like scrambling for the button. I, I thought that it would was have that been strong. Square. I'm not that square. Okay. Go ahead. Next one. Scott, your five weight is next. Yeah. And it's the New York football giants catching six at New Orleans. Ooh. Don't look now, fellas. But the giants are just a game out of a playoff spot. Come on. And that's the great. Schedule actually. lines up for them because they play two of the teams ahead of them in the standings, and it starts with this game against the Saints. Let's just pause here for a second. I'm not saying the Giants are a playoff team, okay? I'm just saying I like the fact that Brian Dable has something Were they a to playoff make. team last year? <laughs> Technically, they were. I'm just saying <laughs> I like— playoff win. I like the year. fact that Brian Dable has something to motivate his guys by saying, hey, the Saints are a team that we're one game behind, we can beat them, get the tiebreaker, and now we climb up the standings and we're in the playoff mix. The Saints are also terrible as favorites. <laughs> terrible <laughs> as favorites. Two eight and one ATS they as came a favorite. Last this week, season. Scotty, one I and know. But that two eight and one ATS as a favorite, that includes games against Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Tyson Bajant, and Josh Dobbs. Don't, first of all, really don't put C.J. Stroud in the same Stroud group is as those in guys. Some bad group. That was early in the season. You rookie. They're going up against Tommy DeVito this week, though. I'm just saying, it's well, not like Tommy on. DeVito can't perform against hold them on, when those other guys on. did. He, ho, 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 ho. 
You're going against the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Exactly. That scared you. How silly. Can we take that out? Why didn't we, we, have, why didn't we have a ticket on that? <laughs> that so obvious. Saints are, and, and Zach Wilson was the AFC. Well, I, I had that parlay. I oh. didn't mention it. Yeah. Uh, the Saints are 1-5 against the spread at home this year. They're 6-15 ATS at home since the start of 2021. This was one of the best home fields for at least 10 years. And not anymore. And Derek the 10 Carr, years before that, the people wore bags on their heads. Yeah. And, and Derek Carr is terrible when laying more than a field goal. When laying more than a field goal, he's 9 26 and 2 against the spread since the start of 2021. Right, so, so let me get this straight. Mm-hmm. Generally, what you're saying here is you think the Giants are going to be motivated. Yep. And you think the Saints are in a spot where getting margin they're not strong with. They're not strong and they're not good at home. Also, the look ahead was five and a half in this game, and I feel like the market's going to go to five and a half. I already see Bookmaker at five and a half. So, as Fez would say, we're getting the value. So, the Giants got upgraded less than the Saints? The Saints got upgraded more. The Saints had a phony win. The Saints. Yeah, but I mean, that seems to make his point, right? The Giants should have gotten like a two point upgrade, and the Saints should have gotten almost like a half point upgrade. So, the line should have adjusted significantly. I'm going to let a few numbers potentially uh, cause some problems here for you, Scott. Okay. Yards per play, it's one of Fez's favorite stats. It's wow. every time I snap the ball, how many yards do I gain? And every time you snap the ball, how many yards do you gain? The difference is where you win NFL games often. In the long run, it's hard to overcome a deficit there over the long, long term. The worst team in the league, the Giants, they're minus 1.6 yards per play. The next, each play. I knew you were going to do this. Yeah. Uh-huh. What are they over the last four weeks? Oh, I don't know. And I, I look at seasons. We, so what's the second worst? Like minus one point three, RJ? No, one point oh. Carolina? Uh I just I didn't yeah, yeah, I think so. Carolina. But so think about I think two teams are tied actually. So think about that a second. Is literally the distance between the last team and the second the or the second worst team is how many more jumps like that do you need before you get to the best team? There's only like three or four jumps to get to the best to team. To draw an analogy, imagine like like early in the year, like one quarterback had thrown 10 interceptions, and he was the second worst, and the worst quarterback had thrown 16. <laughs> you know, that's way, 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 way worse. And and so to and listen, I am fascinated by how the Giants win. I think Dayball was a great coach. I talked about it on Monday's uh, taping uh, of the Overnight Tuesday show, but that number is troubling. Thoughts? I'm not laying points with the Saints. Okay. And I'm not laying north of a field goal with Derek Carr, who's 2-11-1 against the spread when laying more than a field goal since the start of 2021. He is not a quarterback that gets separation from the opposing team, and I think the Giants are mass-motivated here and are going to go into New Orleans, and I'll bet a money line. Another reason that I like, but your pick here officially, the plus six. Yes. Another reason I tend to lean Giants myself this, this minus 1.6 kind of put the kibosh on that for me, is Derek Carr at the end of the game, There's there was some video going around last week where he's screaming at teammates. Yep. Mm-hmm. And really? there just is a lot of drama that seems to be bubbling up there. Chris Olave also didn't practice. Taysom Hill is limited and didn't play last week. So I got a banged-up Saints team also against a Giants team that blitz, 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 blitz. Yeah, that worries me a little bit because Carr can handle the blitz and – What's the Saints do the most is throw screens. 
in a way, if I think a screen team against a blitzing team isn't a great thing for the blitzing team. But again, that's too simplistic, right? These NFL guys make it more complicated than that. Yeah, my my initial thought was Giants too. Uh, I ended up stick, just because I'm like you, Scott. I said, who who should the Saints be laying six points to? Period. Uh, but then I kind of like we've talked about with the Broncos. This run, this Devito run, has been fueled by some pretty good turnovers. Where's turnover. the music at? <laughs> some pretty good turnover luck for the Giants. Twelve to four, they've won the turnover battle in the last four weeks since Devito's been playing. But that that battle. was the thing that caused you to fade Denver. That's what I'm saying. That's why I didn't want. Oh, I didn't okay, have okay, okay. Well, RJ, where do the Giants compare to the Panthers right now? Here's the thing. The market will let the numbers dictate. Because the, the market was five and a half against the Panthers. Oh, um, New Orleans was laying five and a half last week at home against the Panthers. I think statistically, you could make the case the Giants are worse. I think anyone that watches football that thinks that, I don't think you think it. I think the numbers say it, and that's the battle, right? Usually the numbers are right, but they're not always right to the extreme. They're going to be right plus or minus 20% or whatever. So I don't think Giants could be the 16th best team, Mm -hmm. even though it looks like the last four or five weeks they are. But I don't think they're as bad as their numbers are. And and the other thing, when you like comparing Panthers to Giants, Panthers have an interim head coach. The Giants have a, a head coach that we respect at least going against. I mean, we we know the Giants have a coaching advantage in this matchup. I don't know if the Panthers had a coaching advantage against Allen, mm-hmm. but I, I know the Giants do. Okay, that's interesting because the other side would be maybe the Giants are motivated. You would think the tank crowd would say to get a high draft choice. They wouldn't have won three games in a row. That's that what I'm saying. Yeah. But 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 maybe I think you could also make the case of saying we're not going to make the playoffs. We've proven enough. I don't think they will because I don't think that's how NFL teams think. But a lot of people do. Carolina doesn't have their own pick, right? No. So all right, all right. It's a good one. I, I was leaning that way, but those numbers were just so. It, it, that's the whole beauty of this, man. What some people look at like. What defense certain teams play versus this offense that's good against the blitz or bad mm-hmm. against the blitz. There's all kind of ways to do this. I think the thing that the market doesn't properly account for is how a team late in the year like the Giants wins a couple of games and it gets everyone excited again. It's like if you ever played poker, especially in home games, where it's kind of fun but it's also money – you lose for like three, four hours. Like you're just looking. I mean, sometimes you'll go three, four hours without winning a pot. You start to get mad. It doesn't matter if it's your uncle or it's your buddy. And I remember we used to play at the VFW back in Ohio. And uh, there was a guy that kind of mentored me. His name was Rick. He was, uh, you know, older and he had been playing in these games up and down the river for a long time, the coal miners and all up that. Up and down the river. Yeah. And uh, the, um, um, he uh, he was losing. He he was a good player. He was better than me at the time. He was losing and losing and losing, and finally he wins a big pot. And we we ordered pizza, right? We always ordered pizza every. I think it was Thursday night. Now I recall, and the pizza was there for two hours. He hadn't got a piece. After he gets up, he walks out. He wins the pot. He gets some pizza. Brings it back over. He's eating. He's smiling. I go, "How are you feeling?" He goes, "Pizza tastes better than it would have." Like he wasn't <laughs> going to eat until he won that pot. So I think the Giants are feeling like they just won a couple mm-hmm. of pots. So late in the year, Fez, motivation's a big deal. Oh no doubt. And I think that the thing the market doesn't account for is a team like the Giants winning is a motivator. 
It's not, oh, they're going to get rest on their laurels. They went from thinking we can't win to now we can win. Yeah, you and I both know they can't win and they're done so, but they don't know that, and that's all that matters. I don't, yeah. yeah, but wouldn't we have said the same thing about the Giants in week four last year? We yes. would have said no chance to make the playoffs. Yes. Next game. Next game. A lot of action on this game, RJ. It's your four weight, you have a derivative, and it's also an Andre the Giant handicap match. RJ and Fez against Scott. Uh-oh. This is like Andre and Big John Stud. Step on his hand. Submission moves. Maybe if I keep running, they won't let's catch me. Let, let's let him go first. <laughs> okay, well. Wrong. Uh, by the way, this is the, the L.A. Rams minus six. Uh, minus six and a half, pardon me, against the, uh, the Washington Commanders. By the way, I want to say this before he does. I give Scott a ton of credit. This is one of those games, his side. I bet right now, well, I'm giving it away, but I think if most people would have thought who has what, they thought Scott was on the Rams. And I only have a two-weight, so it's not a big play. So, uh, as we would always say, sometimes the ugliest bets are the, the <laughs> toughest ones, the sharpest ones to make. Yes. I hate this spot for, for L.A. They're coming off a disappointing loss against the Ravens, now traveling back across the country and overlooking the commanders before playing a Thursday night game against the Saints, a team that they are competing for a playoff spot with. So... It's very easy for them to just say, hey, we're just going to go. We, we, easy win against the terrible Washington team. We got a game coming up against the Rams, uh, Saints, where we need to win for the playoffs on a Thursday night. Also, interesting stat here. The Rams' opponent has scored first in all six of their home games this year. If Washington scores first, I'm happy taking six and a half points. And as much as uh, – plus, with the commanders throwing the ball so much, I love the chance of a backdoor late – Matt Stafford, through his career, has shown that he does not hold on to leads. Since 2019, he's 9-20-1 against the second-half spread. So he's losing the second halves. In his career, he's negative, 33-57-2. Well, two. the question is how many of those games have leads, right? So, But this is at lead, when leading at halftime. Oh, when leading at halftime. Yes, when, okay, leading, okay. when leading at halftime since 2019, 9-20-1 okay. against the spread in the so second 2019. half. So how many years of that was with Detroit – because one of the, one year, the 2020 was with the Rams. Okay, so two years in. Yeah. Oh, 2020 was with the Rams. Okay. Yeah. So, Fez, this is, you're the in-game guru, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the things I caught here that speaks to what Scott's talking about is that McVay, when they get, he gets a lead, runs, runs, runs. Is that something you consider in, like when you're doing your in-game stuff, like what the uh, tendencies of coaches are in certain sure, spots? Sure, sure. So would you, you agree with that. That McVay, would you agree with that McVay assessment? I'd have to go back and look. Okay. Yeah. So go ahead, Scott. Uh, and, and that's just the point for me is that yeah. I think that with a no, six-and-a-half no, no, point dog, I like the fact that I got a team that throws the ball a ton with Sam yeah, Howell yeah, yeah, yeah. that the back door is always going to be open for me to cover. Not always, but some, you, I you think, think the back door is going to be open. The team you're betting on, do you think they're reinvigorated? They get a late buy? Or yeah, they're coming up the bye weeks. This, or, this or, is, again, the spot that I like. I, yes. I like that because, like, the winless team off of a bye is great, okay? So now we got a situation we got a crappy team off of a bye. Should with the win. Also. win. But is Rivera just a dead man walking? Well, for sure. Yes, for sure. But I don't think that Eric Bieniemy is. Hmm. And the offense is where I'm looking here. I'm not looking. I mean, the defense got rid of the two best pass rushers. So going to be a lot of scoring in this game, I think. I do, I do think so. I picked up Curtis Samuel in fantasy. I'm going to start him in the playoffs. I, I really do think that there's going to be points in this game, and I like the commander's offense here. I think they're not going to let up ever. Okay. So my second play on this game and what we do is we don't let you have any a second play if it's in any way correlated to the first play. We don't want to say first half, 
the Rams and set in the game, the Rams. But this is the over, uh, which, again, we could say six and a half. It's somewhat correlated to the over, but that's not what we're talking about here. And I'm not even sure how true that is. But um, I like the over here. Here's my most dominant thesis about this game, Fez, and we can go back and forth on this, uh, meaning you can make a point, you know, we don't have to do a monologue, is Rivera is calling the defense. They fired the D.C. the week before the bye, meaning I've never seen that. I don't think I've ever seen that, where you've got a bye coming up next week, Mm -hmm. and you have one game between the game you just played and the bye, and you don't wait to fire the D.C. Must have been some... Some mm-hmm. truculent uh, combustible <laughs> meeting that went on. <laughs> truculent. <laughs> that's the that's the famous when uh, when uh, Howard Cosell says, "I consider you truculent, Cassius Clay." He goes, "I don't know what that means, but if it means I'm beautiful, yes, I am." <laughs> or something like. <laughs> but but um, um, I think Rivera. The last time he called defense, it was what five years ago, six years ago, and it was only when he fired another DC, and it had been a long time since he was a DC. The game has changed, right? And to me, the Rams are the epitome. Miami, San Francisco, and L.A., Green Bay, maybe the four teams that are the modern offense. And I think Rivera is going to be like a a chess player from 1940 going against, you know, uh, Magnus Carlsen or whatever. (laughs) I, I think it's a real negative here. So I like the over. I like the Rams. What you got, Faz, on it? I I think you summed it up perfectly. So I... My gut feeling is that the Washington doesn't get the bounce from the bye. I really think they're a dead team. I think they're thinking there's only a couple games left, and they're thinking about vacation. Exactly. So I, I, I think they're already checked out, and I understand players are playing for the jobs. And normally this is a spot I'd bet Washington, but I'm just I'm not feeling it. My gut says this team is just done. Now, AJ, in college, when there's a late bye, college football. Oftentimes, that team never really gets back together in a good way. You're right. Right? So, to me, this feels very collegiate like that, where that late bye gives everyone a chance to go drink some beer, get out in the sun. And it's like, do you really want to go back to the grind when you know it's a lame duck? And the entire staff, I think, is lame duck. Uh, it doesn't strike me that the new ownership group, but I don't really know. I mean, the OC might have a chance. I mean, I tell you this. You got to give some credit with Bianami and KC not looking as good. Mm-hmm. You don't know; it could be coincidental, mm-hmm. but that's interesting. One last thing on this game, or two last things, is if you look at the home away split, actually with Stafford, he's 15 points better quarterback rating on the road, which is kind of surprising. So that one kind of goes against us here a little bit. Um, but then this is the stat that just blows my mind: is if you look at Delta on points allowed. So it's effectively saying, based on the spread, based on the total, there's an estimate, or, or we can just say the team total for a team. You know how many points a team's supposed to score? Vegas is projecting. If you go above or below that, that makes up your DPA. And that's points allowed. They are eight points worse on defense each game on average than they were expected to be. The second worst team in the NFL on defense is 2.9. That is insane. I've never seen a number like, I mean, Feds, just think how that more, every time a line came up on the team total, it was like, you know that line? That's wrong by eight points. That seems impossible. It's like a soccer team that the worst defensive soccer team gives up three goals a game, and this team gives up eight. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> and, 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 and the one shocker here 
and maybe it's part of the back door you're talking about, Scott. Washington has five covers. The other teams that have five color covers, there's five of them. Their average ATS margin, right? So how do they do against the spread? All combined, you think five covers, that's below 50%. They'd have a negative one, right? Sure. You add it all up, they're negative 0.6 points. So per game, they're negative um, you know, less than one point a game, all of them combined, right? All five teams. By itself, Washington, ATS margin on the whole season is minus 7.9 points. Oh, man. So they're losing against the spread by exactly the eight points mm. that they're lose, f- falling short on defense. So really, their offense is right in line with what's been expected. The NFL should, said, should send the Redskins like Christmas cards. Because we don't say that word. We're going back in you. time and sending yeah. the Redskins. Be- 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 because there's been no scoring this year that they, you know, with, with all the, you know, the, the double safety defenses and the like and all the quarterbacks injured. It's been a bore. NFL year, so thank goodness that Washington allow freeze them up. They get to play Washington. (laughs) Yes, I think you'll love this because I I have a bonus play, and it it, my bonus Bonus play is the same as Dave Essler's play this week. Oh my gosh! Well, it's always the same, right? Don't you just piggyback? (laughs) But it's the Rams team total over twenty eight and a half, and it's. Well, I don't like that number though. Twenty eight and a half. You know why I don't worry about it? Do you know how many points the Commanders have given up in their last four games? A lot. A hundred and fifty points. Let's do the math. Four games. 25, 37 and a half points a game. That's exactly correct. (laughs) To the decimal, you nailed it. Uh, Listen, the Rams' offensive numbers, I I think their season-long numbers are dampened by that four-game stretch when they didn't have Kyron Williams when he was on the IR. That's a good point. It's it's tough with a rookie to think they're that important, but yeah, I think you're right. Since he's been back, the three games since he returned, Matt Stafford's average QBR, 79 in those three games. Everything is better with him. He's thrown 10 touchdowns, the one pizza pick. pizza tastes better. The pizza tastes better when Kyron Williams is there. And then the other thing to look at is the Rams, the last two games, Baltimore and Cleveland. This is going to be like taking ankle weights off when you play <laughs> so, the Commanders. Okay, so the, oh, the prior two games. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I tell you guys, this was one of our better handicaps. It was a team effort, a lot of good Let's thoughts. Let's go get some Rebellion pizza and like, bet this game. <laughs> you want to hear Dave Essler's thoughts on uh, on this one? He's, I mean, I always want to hear Dave Essler's Let's thoughts. Let's hear it. I was one of the many that thought the Eagles were a good bet last week, so we lost that one and dropped two 71% winners in the Dream Pod this year. But, you know, suffering produces the fruit of perseverance. And this week, what I'll be doing is betting the Los Angeles Rams team total over. What I won't be doing is fluff-tweeting at someone with an agenda. Based on where the market sits right now, I expect a team total of the Rams of 28. The LA offense has put up 31 or more in three straight games, two of which were against elite defenses, which is something the commanders aren't bringing to California. In fact, Washington is the worst points-per-game defense in the National Football League, And even worse lately, their last three games saw an average of 40 points per game given up. Granted, two of those were against the Cowboys and the Dolphins, but the third was the Giants, who scored a season-high 31 points. Why did they do that? Sam Howell threw three interceptions. Why did that happen? It's Howell's first full year, with OTAs preseason and now 13 regular season games, which is exponentially more than he ever saw in a year at North Carolina. The Rams have converted red zone chances to touchdowns at the seventh best clip and 71% over the last three games, this this big outburst they've had. So field goals aren't an option. 
The Commanders are playing out the string. Let's face it, they're four and nine. They could end up four and thirteen if you look ahead at their schedule. The Rams are not eliminated and have three winnable games starting this week. Washington has allowed twenty-nine or more in five or six games. The one they didn't, the Patriots. That lack of scoring defense only continues this week, so I will bet the Rams team total over twenty-eight. And if it comes out higher, I'd bet that all the way to thirty points. Yeah, I agree with Dave here. I don't. I'd rather go team total over just because Washington will keep throwing from behind. And if we're right about the, I think it's probably is correlated, Fez. Oh, right? I agree. Yes. So if you do like the Rams and the over, I think a parlay also. Maybe it's one unit, one unit, half a unit. Yeah, you know? maybe go over the South Point, play some parlay cards with minus six and a half and over forty nine and a half. Ooh, you can't do that. Though. Tell him I sent you. <laughs> Give him my regards. Next game. Fez, your three-weight is the Tennessee Titans, minus two and a half, hosting the Texans. Yeah, I got to tell you, the one game that stood out, and it's true, I laid a little bit less, $20 fine, but um, (laughs) I make this game three, and I I need you guys to explain to me how in the world we don't expect the Titans to win this game. Um, I think Houston, with with Mills at quarterback now, uh, we saw they couldn't do anything with the Jets. I fully expect Stroud isn't going to play. I'd be shocked. Purdy, I guess, did play with the the week after mm-hmm. the concussion, and that was it, right, Scott? As that's far it. as the only guy, he's the yeah. only guy that's done it. So I mean, Stroud did not practice. And and where would you? I mean, where do you guys rate Houston with you know without Stroud play, playing with Mills? So, I got Tennessee two points better. So this was the question I had. Yeah, I, I said ninety percent of whatever boost you gave the Texans from the beginning of the season to now has to be C.J. Stroud-related. Exactly. So if you take away all of the upgrade that you've given to the Texans from week one to now, like there's no way you can like the Texans. And not only that, I mean, we don't know if it's going to be Case Keenum or Davis Mills. I'm not really sure. Don't but, care. But Nico Collins didn't practice. Uh, we know Tank, Tank Dell's Dell out. Tank coming back. Noah Brown, their, their third wide receiver, yeah. he didn't practice. Laramie Tunsil, their left tackle, he didn't practice. What was the look at on this one, Scott? It was uh, Tennessee minus two and a half. Three and a half. Minus three and a half. Or Texans minus three and a half okay. on the road. Okay, so so that sounds like, oh, well, wait a minute. I'm blamed. Um, there's a six-point line move, right? Uh, but I'm going through the zero. And right off the bat— But you're I, also going through a three. Yeah, but but right off the bat, I've got a five-point— Quarterback downgrade, right? Yeah. So, so if I, if I'm just, I'm not going to adjust for the threes and the zeros. I'm just going to say, if Tennessee was plus three and a half, now with a with a conservative five point difference in quarterback, they should be laying one and a half. And I'm not even getting to all these yeah. other injuries. I'm not even getting to the downgrade that I have to give the rest of Houston for sucking completely against the Jets. And I'm not even getting to the fact there was a narrative that's like, well, Tennessee was down 14 against Miami late. That was the ultimate miracle that Miami was about to cover the 13.5-point spread in that game. Yeah. That was a pretty evenly played game, and then funniness happened in the final th- five minutes to get Miami up 14, and then Titans come all the way back and win the game outright. Truth is, my- maybe Miami should have won by four, but uh, you got to upgrade Tennessee. you got to downgrade Houston. you got to also downgrade Houston five for quarterback, one for all these other skill position Wait, players. I, well, I thought the Houston, I thought that Stroud was on the bad list of quarterbacks. <laughs> that's, according to, that's Scott's list. Oh, <laughs> now I got to be honest, Fez. If it was three, I would have taken Houston. So doesn't mean you're wrong, but I think 
D'Amico Ryans is the kind of guy that's going to get his team up the day, week after you lose your quarterback. If he had his other skill position players, I agree. And, and, and really, it, it, it's the cluster injury of quarterback and the receivers. And there's, the left tackle. There's there's nobody left. Well, first of all, Houston hasn't had linemen the whole year. I mean, like somehow that line has held up. Because you got a quarterback that's like— mm. No, no, I'm know, not— Listen, Insanely listen. good. Uh, what I'm saying here is the thing that kept me off it was the three for sure— that it was that it wasn't three, because the market was two point seven five. I mean, I, this was split right down the middle. Yes, I thought. Yes, yes. And and I also think that if you look at the closely at the Houston injuries, there's more. It seemed like today trended in a bad direction. Yeah, that's what I was saying. All, all, none of their receivers practiced today. None of their top three receivers practiced today. Uh, Will Anderson didn't practice their their best pass rusher, and and Laramie Tunsil didn't practice their best offensive lineman. So the, what are you seeing as a total? It's the only total I didn't write down. Can you believe that? Oh, I didn't write the Baltimore Jacks down. But what's the total? Thirty eight. I I would have sworn my life that if a game was going and going and going, that there that one team scoring led the other team to score more. That there was a sense of like it, the stakes aren't that high. Like, doesn't it feel like when there's a tight game, it's three, three, six, six, you know, thirteen, uh, six. That that the they they take cues from each other on the pace, on the risk taking. Especially, I've noticed this when it's like a one or two point game, it becomes a field goal fest. It's like I'm going to kick a field goal, take well, the lead, twenty to nineteen. Then you're going to kick a field goal. I think if it's twenty eight to nothing. We know that the other team is is chucking the ball around. They're trying to make big things happen, and that's. That's just the nature of it. They're trying to get back in the game. The only way to get back in the game is to to take big chances. And, and if big chances down, lead to scoring on one way or the other. They lead to three and outs, or they lead to turnovers, or they lead to explosive plays. But what I'm talking about is scoring from what – here's the question. If I told you I'm going to put every score of the last 10 years in a database and then do a, a correlation test against the other team's score – so the question is, a correlation test will say if it's the most correlated is if it's identical, it's 1.0. If it's inverse, it's minus one or it's somewhere in between. All right, zero means there's no correlation. So what what, I, what I'll do is put a bunch of stats in and say, oh, why is that correlated to that? And it helps yeah. you understand the game better. My thought would have been that scoring by one team correlated to scoring by a small amount. By by example. So the total so, is 40. What would you have guessed? I, I agree with what you said. So I want to use an example to yeah. make this clear. So a total a game is picked. The total is 40. And you said team A scored 30. How many do you think team B scored? Okay. And I would say 21. I would take – I would raise their mean. I'd say, oh, it was a higher scoring game. So – Intuitively, I think if one team scored higher, I think the second team would score. But a little you bit adding higher. the pick cheats a little bit. So why don't I say this? If I say one team scored forty, the the expected points for this team coming in were uh, the opponent was twenty. How many points do you think they scored? Twenty one. You would have been a little biased to the over. Okay, yes. over. I would have too. No nope. correlation at all. Zero. It's correlation. like it's like like in the point oh oh. It's like I'm I'm not even sure. I think it was slightly negative to be honest. Well, like, the, the hard part is that when the other team when a team scores, obviously they can run a kickoff back and score. But if they get an eight minute drive, that's taking away from my offense time. You know, on, if they're doing long ball control scores. But there's none of that in the num- yeah. I mean, the numbers are all scoring. You know. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I think I think we covered and we know you want to repeat your pick on that one, Fess. You got a Tennessee then. A laying- Tennessee laying two and a half. All right, next game. Uh, let's go RJ's three weight. It's Miami minus eight and a half. Okay. 
This is one I had my first epiphany game of the year last week. It was the Saints. Not game of the year, but first epiphany game this season. And I had another one. I was I actually sent you guys. I said, I don't have anything on this game. And then I sent back. I had an epiphany. I said, actually, I do. And here's my thinking. Miami is probably the highest rated. They're, they're higher rated than other teams or any other team compared to expectation. Meaning if I said, where's Miami at? To someone that's a fan but doesn't look at the mm. stats. Miami is better in the stats than you could even imagine. I think borderline you could even imagine. So, for example, if you look at Miami's offense on a drive basis, on a per-drive basis, they are um, right up there at the top with San Fran, Dallas, Buffalo, Miami, right? All pretty much tied. San Fran's a little higher, right? Okay. If you look at yards per play, right, what do you got for Miami? What, I, let's say net yards per play. Uh, I got them two. Net, well, that was before their game on, but I didn't update it for Monday night. Um, so it's probably a little bit less than two, but that's still phenomenal. I thought you. I heard you say negative two. They're, they're positive two. Positive two. I mean, that was. I think it's them and San Fran's right at the top yeah. of the league, right? Yeah. So it's like by any metric, this looks like one of the two or three best teams. And then you add in the defense has gotten better and better as the seasons progress. The last, you know, you could say last week wasn't great, mm-hmm. but just in chunks, it's better now than it was the let's say the last, the, the most recent half of the season versus the half before that. So everything says they're better than their stats now because of the trend line on defense. And then you look at the Jets, it's almost the exact opposite. The Jets have had some marquee wins, but they're what? The f- fourth or fifth worst yards per play. They're the, um, they are the worst offense, the worst offense by converting a new series of downs into a first down or a touchdown. They only do that 59% of the time. The Dolphins. Yeah, it's not that their YPP is terrible. It's that their offense is absolutely. Atrocious. Yeah, but even if you add up, if you use well, YPP is going to be an offense, defense, yep. and net. What do you have them as the net? Uh, minus point three. Okay, so there, are, and maybe on that stat, you would say that's not worse than you would expect because that equates what to twentieth, maybe twenty. Sure. So, but if, as you just go up and down the various stats, the Jets are at the bottom of most of them that are net. Right, their defense is good, and then I'm thinking, well, what, you know, what was the look ahead line? And the look ahead line was thirteen. Let me get my line up here. Um, thirteen and a half, and now I'm laying eight and a half. What? What else has happened? Now I get, I get this idea. The center's out now. Okay, it's like, well, Miami's had injuries on the O line the whole year, and Tua throws so quickly. I don't really fully understand how the injuries are going to be that important on the offensive line. And these teams just played each other, and the game was in New York, and Miami was laying nine, and they took care of business. And now Miami's home, and they're laying nine again. Which implies uh, they're in development. An upgrade to Zach Wilson also. Say it again? It implies an upgrade to Zach Wilson also. Which that brings up a point. Zach Wilson had the best game of his career I think some people believe. Does that sound right to you, Scott? Okay. So the thing about Zach Wilson is he is so much better at home than he is on the road. And he's not that good at home, but he's so much better at home than he is on the road. And it's a situation where I think that 
We've been waiting for Wilson, or there's been some sense of like, show us something that we can believe in. But he never seems to follow up a decent game with another good guy. Like the idea that at the end of year three, he's now finally coming into his own after he was benched. Like this team was willing to put Simeon in, Tim Boyle, Tim Boyle in, not to let this guy play again. Yeah. And now this one game is going to convince us otherwise. So to me, this feels like I'm buying as low as possible on Miami. And I know the weather is supposed to be bad. Who's that going to help? I don't know. And I know the Jets has a good defensive line. If there wasn't a narrative to make this line go down from 13 and a half to eight and a half, then it wouldn't have gone down. Well, everyone just saw the primetime loss for the Dolphins and where the Cheetah got injured, and, and they lost outright as a 13 half point favorite. And their offense was awful. AJ, you did some Tyreek Hill. Now, he was limited, which made me optimistic because he was hurt. But you dug into it a little bit. Yeah, I wanted to see how limited exactly because, uh, obviously, the, the Dolphins' offense, they, they scored on an interception return last week, and then their other two touchdowns came directly off turnovers in the, inside the 20 in their own red zone. So I was like, what's going on with Tyreek Hill? He was a limited participant today. But all he did was stretch. So he didn't run any football stuff. He, he just went out with the team and stretched. So at what point did he get hurt? Was it during the game? Yeah. yeah. Early. early in the game. Yeah, first quarter. It was like a uh, the perfect combo of horse collar slash hip drop. The two tackles that they're like saying are the disaster tackles. He got tackled with, he got hit with both of them on the same tackle. Okay. And then he stayed in the game. No, he left the game for a good while, then he came back in the second half. That's unusual. Usually you cool down those kind of injuries. It seems harder. I mean, he didn't have a helmet. He looked like he was just done for the day. And then he came out and played in the second half. I couldn't believe it. But he wasn't in on the last drive. At first, they taped him up. And then they went into the locker room at halftime. And they're like, all right, he's taped up. Then he came back out. And the tape was off the ankle. And they're like, all right, well, it looks like he's probably not coming back in. Then he came back in. Okay. (laughs) So so I would say my take on his injury was less. I, I didn't weight it the way maybe it feels like it should be. But here's where it gets interesting. What's Ty? Let's call him the most valuable non quarterback. It's a point and a half, Mm -hmm. right? And if he plays at all, it, the most you could say he's going to be hobbled is a point, meaning he wouldn't be on the field if yeah. he wasn't contributing something. So it matters, but it doesn't still adjust for this swing. And maybe it makes me, you know, I guess it's only a three-way to start with because I don't like laying a lot of lumber. But um, I still stand by the pick, but I would, you know, I want Tyreek to be healthy. Sure. No doubt about it. I, I think this is kind of, I, I hate saying an under game in a, a Miami Dolphins game. But under 37 and a half feels like might be the way to go, given what the weather looks like it's going to be. Well, so that moved from 41 to 37. Yeah, the market hammered that and hit it mm-hmm. again this morning. And that was almost a me- – uh, there's a weather guy that's a um, uh, a fantasy guy mostly that came out with – and it was – the wind was high enough that it pretty much moved that four points pretty fast. Yeah, right? 19 mile per hour winds, it says, uh, 15 to 25. and The gusts, yeah. So – uh, again, I think that you might say, well, the passing team is going to have a problem there, except I would make a case that Miami is generally such a controlled passing game. that. But then you could make the case, yeah, but that's all timing and precision, so the win might mess it up. Maybe it's Those just two really good running backs. You, 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 could, you could make a nice comp here also because I think almost everyone would say Tennessee and the Jets are pretty comparable right now in terms of how good they are. Mm, okay. And so they're both at Miami. 
And so if you wanted to bet Miami, probably better to lay eight and a half than to lay 14 when they're playing the same team. Well, yeah, and it's also gonna be, it's a pro Jets crowd down there. So it's always like a second Jets. Oh, that's game. interesting. All right. Any other? So, Fez, what kept you off his game? I, I just don't like laying lots of points. I got I got little, I got know. some numbers. Anything above my seven? How often am I laying that? So I went back and looked. You know, since 2012, if you lost as a double-digit favorite, you know, what do you do in your your next game? 24, 16, and one ATS mm. in the next game. But then I said, all right, well, let's say, what if you're now a touchdown or higher favorite? I bet it's good. 23 and 15 ATS, mm-hmm. covering by 3.07 points. Because the theory is. Being such a big favorite, the only question is, are you going to be lackadaisical mm-hmm. or disinterested? And you're not going to be if you just lost. Yeah, right as a double-digit favorite. Yeah, yeah. All right. Next game. Next game is my three-weight. And, RJ, you have a uh, a one on the total in this game. It's Seattle and Philly, Monday Night Football. I'm on Seattle plus four. RJ, you always told me when we did Straight out of Vegas, you want takes. All right, yeah. Here's I my went, take. I want honest and sincere. Here's my take. honest and sincere take. The only reason Philly is even in the top 10 is because Joe Burrow's hurt and other quarterbacks have been hurt. Philly is not a very good team. They're a slightly above average football team. YPP is uh, oh, net yeah, zero. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. net zero. They, they, uh, they are 10 and three. Their point differential is plus 21. So here's the here's the list of point differentials for the rest of the teams in the league that have nine wins. Miami plus one seventeen, Baltimore plus one forty three, Dallas plus one eighty eight, San Francisco plus one seventy five, plus twenty one for Philly. One of these things is not like the other. I just think they're rated too high. The defense looks terrible. They haven't touched a quarterback in the last two weeks. The secondary got absolutely exposed. So let's talk about the rating. Because one of the things I've been doing lately, Faz, that you helped me understand probably the, the validity of it is thinking, okay, what is a typical average team? Well, we know that zero on your scale. What's a typical best team in the league? Okay, that's going to be a minus eight or plus eight. What's the worst team? Minus eight. Okay. So let's think about this. What is, in your mind, forget what you got Philly ranked at. What is a typical team that's clearly above average, but clearly not in the top quartile? So they're somewhere between um, 51 and 74. One and a half. Okay. Maybe a two. Yeah, I was thinking two. Okay. I think that's right. So let's assume that Philly is a plus two for a second. I think Seattle, the worst you could say is they're minus a half, I think. What do you got them at? Well, I've got him plus a half, but that assumes a healthy Geno, which is which too he will high. be this week, I believe. Ooh, really? Yeah. Okay. Is that what you're reading? You participated today. Yeah. That's, this is fascinating because I I fully suddenly endorse AJ's pick because I thought this was a split line. I thought I thought if Geno's playing, it should be three, and if it's Drew Lock, it should be six. Okay. And remember, it, what it, helps with this is this game got moved to Monday night. It's a good point. So it's a whole nother day for Geno. So if Geno's playing, Seattle's, I mean, Seattle's an average team. So the only way this line can make sense is that Philly has to be six points better than an average. And RJ just laid down the numbers. They're, they're like, and they from the stats, they're like two points, one and a half or two points better than an average team at most. Now, I got to be honest, I would not, we're taping Wednesday night. It's 11 minutes till midnight. So let's mark that time. If I even got 
three to one. If I got if I got two to one at plus two hundred, I think meaning if Locke played, I win plus two hundred. I would take that bet right now. And that's what the market is, is agreeing with. And, and what, is, what worries yeah. me even more about that is the line could have been three and a half here very easily. I, when I was looking at the line, I was like, it could be four, it could be three and a half. When he went with four, Cornegay, that tells me he doesn't expect. I mean, and not, not that he's right all the time, but, you know, so what I would say is for those listening, you know, do your own research because you're going to have more time uh, has passed, so we're going to have more reports. But, AJ, your impression is? What I saw today was he's expected to play. Yeah. So this is a good time to talk about expectations with batting and and, uh, injuries especially, specifically. And, Fez, you talked about a split line. So let's quickly explain what that is for the uninitiated. Um, Let's say basketball because key numbers don't really exist all that much in basketball. So let's say NBA, it's the Lakers, and LeBron is worth, let's say, four points. He used to be worth five and a half. I think I'm being nice to LeBron, but he did just have a nice run. What a hell of a season. Yeah, so, um, but June's when you ch- you crown champions. That's true. No, not in-season champions. <laughs> He's already been crowned, I'm afraid. You know, I have a question about that. Do you think they gave LeBron, because LeBron wants the Vegas team. Bill Simmons believes he has it locked up. Mm. Do you think him being a company man now, because he wants to be an owner so bad, they they think this in season tournament tournament might have a, a billion dollar valuation now, uh, a, a season they think. Now, if that's true, they took nothing and went to a billion, and LeBron taking this seriously drove so much of the love of this thing. I wonder how much of that was LeBron doing a solid to his new, uh, soon enough co-owners. <laughs> mm. It's interesting, isn't it? But I respect it. Um, you know, I, I don't bet the NBA every day until NFL is over, then I get more into it. I didn't see the line or anything after, but I bet the Lakers' first game after this tournament, and I know that the tournament was intermittent throughout the year, I'm guessing they didn't cover. They did not. They oh. lost to the Dallas Mavericks, and the— uh, Did the line build in the fact that they weren't going to be—they were going to be extra unmotivated? It, it, initially, yes, and then one of um, Dallas's starters got reported out to the Lakers. The, line, the Lakers went from, from memory from like a one-and-a-half to a three-and-a-half-point favorite, but they went belly up. They lost outright, <laughs> yes. Even though the Lakers, apparently, they played on Friday, and then they wheeled back on Monday. It was a weird game because Dallas had was on a back-to-back so there's a lot going on. Well, just you know? think of this. Fez is in the million-dollar, close to the lead in the million-dollar circa. Only two people ahead of him. He's got a share that's worth how many thousand? How many? How much is your share worth in the Survivor? 14%. So. Of how much? 700 and some uh, thousand? Yeah, it's of 730,000. So it's worth like 100,000. So he's got that. He's got all these other bets, and somehow he knows the, vague, the, 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 the variations of line moves that happen in a Monday NBA game. <laughs> Got to appreciate that. So anyway, let's say LeBron's worth four. Let's say they would be a six-point favor without him. And uh, no, let's say a six-point favor without him and a 10-point favor with him. All right, so he's worth four points, right? So they're favored by six without him, 10 with him. If there's a 50% chance he's going to play, you're going to say, okay, four points divided by two. Let me guess. Eight. Eight. Oh, I knew it. That's exactly right. So when you say a split line, you were thinking, okay, with Locke, it would be this, and with um, uh, Gino, it would be that. Yeah, Gino, three, Locke, six. And then what's the odds of him playing, and you find the line. I kind of felt like you did, and I don't mind Locke. I, I don't think six is right with Locke, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But, AJ, you 
found a quote that makes you think the odds are real good he's going to play. Yeah, someone asked Pete Carroll about if they said, is, was, did Geno working out pregame last game indicate that this injury is not that serious? And Pete Carroll said that he's going to take the decision all the way up till game day. He said he did move around. He was testing it out, found the parameters of what he could and couldn't do. We'll see how he comes back. He's doing treatment. These days are so valuable to him. We don't practice again till Thursday, so we've got a break. But he said that, you know. So he was injured before. So give us the history of He had of this a groin injury. injury. And before Sunday's game, this last game, he was doing pregame warm ups, kind of testing it out. So they said, well, because it's a one to two week injury. So they said, this mm. feels like maybe it's on the lesser side since he was able to do the warm ups. And he heard it midweek. All right, interesting. So if he plays, I love this line. And you I would agree. expect it to go down to what, three? Three. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right, anything else? Oh, and by the way, just to be clear, um, I didn't even give my pick officially oh, yeah. on it. Okay. <laughs> and maybe my pick is because I do I do like Seattle here. That was probably my next pick, to be honest, Seattle. Um, I like the under. And I'm gonna keep this real simple. So I guess in a weird way, I would rather lock, though I don't know if I would, because locks. Picks. A lot of picks, a lot of big touchdowns. But this is a trend, and it's so good, I don't even need anything else to be candid. Is Monday night football unders. Now, we're not talking all prime time. We know you know they've generally been hot this year. We're talking Monday night, and we're talking with a handful of qualifications, which I'm not going to go through. I have it logical qualifications where the under is 26, the over is two, and the pushes are one. So I have uh, two overs, 26 unders, one push, and 29 games on a Monday night under prime time, or a Monday night under, which is prime time, obviously, system. I'm going under. This only has about three a year, so this is extended way before all the recent stuff. And to put in, in terms of statistical significance, let's just put it this way. There are quarterly prizes in all these contests we've been talking about. And if you have a sample size of 20 and you go 18 and 2, you win the quarterly. So a 26 and 2 cannot be random noise. And, and I think we've seen the, the question is, is it is my qualifications helping it? Because we know the unders in primetime do well. I think there's a great odds that it does. But even if it doesn't, you're still in a universe that you trust, which is the primetime unders right now. Right. right? So, so maybe if Gino got reported in and the total kicks up a point, you can slam even more on this. That's under. interesting. So if, if so, you think Gino in brings it up, even though Locke, even yeah. though Locke is more um, combustible? Yeah, I, I, I could be wrong. I, it's, <laughs> but, I, but I believe so. Yeah. Let's make sure on Monday taping we, we see – well, I guess we'll know after the game. Yeah. Is let's see when he, if he is declared in what it does to the total. Uh, yeah. Yes, that'll be fascinating. All right, next game. This is my two-weight, and this would have been my five-weight if we could use totals in this. I Ooh. love the over 47.5 San Francisco-Arizona. And the first game these two teams played this year, Brock Purdy had the most efficient game of his career. 20 of 21, 283 yards, a touchdown. McCaffrey, 106 yards, three touchdowns, 35-16 win, 51 points. That was with Josh Dobbs playing quarterback. And if you go back through the history of this matchup, the last four matchups, it was Jimmy G against Colt McCoy twice, landed 48. And one of those was in Mexico City where they say totals way down, totals way down, 48 points. Then it was David Blau against Brock Purdy, 51 points. Now we get Kyler Murray, 
First, the Cardinals are averaging almost three points per game more since Murray returned. But Cardinals games at home. Cardinals score 23.2 points per game at home, 13 points per game on the road. They allow 28.7 points at home, 22.7 on the road. They're coming off a bye. I expect them to have a good game plan. And we've finally got the two starting quarterbacks, Brock Purdy and Kyler Murray. I think this thing goes way over 47 and a half. I like it. And this could be my one way as I still have that open. Uh, the over is 6-0 and in Arizona this season. And a lot of it has to do because they rank 30th in the league in points allowed at home. Their defense is garbage. Four and- opponents against the Cardinals in Arizona have surpassed 30 points scored. The 49ers, they just scored 30 or more points in eight games this year. And, so. and I, I think it could be like, a, like I, the reason why I didn't just take the 49ers, because I think it could be a down spot for them. Like from a scheduling perspective, it seems like it would be a down spot. But this way, with the total, I don't think it matters. I think the offense is going to put up some. And the ultimate accident. Ultimate fast track grass field, you know, where they just wheeled in. It's really Mm -hmm. short grass and perfect weather conditions. Yeah. Cardinals defense, 30th in pressure rate, uh, worst in opponents' first downs, 31st in EPA per play on D, and worst in the uh, opponents' success rate. So, I mean, and you've talked about it since they've been healthy. It's just a juggernaut. I I wouldn't mind the 49ers team total. It's just, it's 30, 30 and a half or 31. It's kind of like a weird number, but but I do think they get over 30. I feel better. 31's a key number. Yeah. I mean, 30 and a half. But I feel better about Arizona's offense with Kyler Murray. So I want to take advantage of that. I mean, their defense has obviously just continued to be dreadful. So. Uh, like I said, if we could do totals for our five weight, this would be this is my favorite play of the week is over 47 and a half. So you talked about Purdy's performance last game. If you look, he's played three games against Arizona. He has six incomplete passes. If I if I'm if I I'm going by memory. So I mean, last year was a different coach. So, you know, that don't mean much. I happened to see an interview with Fred Warner, the linebacker. And it was like a little like podcast excerpt, and I don't know why I clicked it, but I did. And he was talking about, one, how many people go from San Fran to Arizona, that there's a lot of fans that seem to like both cities. Remember, when San Fran was displaced during COVID, they played, oh, their, they played their games mm. in Arizona, so they're familiar with the stadium. It's in division, too, right? But uh, it, Also, it's in division. And... He also said this, Arizona played super hard last game, and the score was a big margin, but he goes, he thinks the score was deceiving. Now, on one hand, I could make you think, well, maybe Arizona matches up better than we might think, and that means you'd be like leaning Arizona, or maybe it makes you think that the 49ers aren't going to take this game lightly. So I don't know exactly how to take it, but I do think net net it probably is pro 49ers just because he and he said one other thing. And again, the guy's considered a football genius almost. I mean, like he's so smart. He was running the routes for the Steelers, they said in that first game. He goes, Oh yeah, these are the four birds in a row. Apparently he's got there's four games mm-hmm. if you look at the schedule. And the bird hunt. Yeah, but think about it. Who's the four? Let's look at I don't know if this is the third. I think this is the third of the it, four. It's Philly, uh, Seattle, Arizona, and Baltimore. Okay. So in his mind, it was the four bird. So the very fact that it's being ca- – he, he's thinking of it that way, in a way, prioritizes this mm. game because it's one of these bird games. 
I don't know. I have to learn to interpret this stuff, but I actually believe if you listen to the right player stuff, that not it's not so much you're getting stuff for this week, but you're thinking you're learning how players think, mm-hmm. right? So if you see four birds in a row at any point, you know it's a priority. It's actually five because <laughs> they play the Seahawks twice. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, that's my thought. All right, uh, next game is somehow, RJ, you're going to love this. Scott and Fez found the exact same total that they're on. Uh, they are both on random. the under in Atlanta, Carolina, under 34. Scott's two weight, Fez is one weight. I guess I'll start because it's my two weight. Yes. The game just screams under to me because Atlanta averages 14.7 points per game on the road this season, and Carolina averages 13.6 per game at home. Carolina's gone 5-0. and to the under at home this season. Atlanta played Bryce Young already this year. They only allowed 10 points, and that game went Mm. under. And the Panthers last week won for seven on fourth downs. I'm happy if they just keep going for it on fourth down. Don't kick the – I don't want the three points. I want them to keep going for it and failing. (laughs) hope it's not on their own 35, though. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I just think that both teams – I don't trust Desmond Ritter. He turns the football over in the red zone in bad – bad situations, so I think Atlanta goes under, and I, I just can't see Carolina scoring. I, I think this is a stone-cold under game. What do you got, Fess? The weather. Weather's going to be really bad. So you've got a grass field. It's supposed to be an inch of rain. It's supposed to be wind on top of it. Like Scott says, you know, Ritter sucks on the road, um, and Young just can't play a lick, and now they're going to be in the elements to add another complexity to non-functional offenses. RJ, it's going to be a 0-0 tie. We got a 100% chance of at the, rain. At the 14-minute mark, I'm sure. <laughs> we got a 100% chance of rain, winds at uh, 10 to 20 mile per hour. Okay, so here's my – let me push back just a little bit. Now, I, don't, I'm, I don't disagree with it necessarily, but to me, if the Falcons are playing their best football, they're running the ball. Like it, This seems like it's not the worst case for the Falcons. Mm-hmm. The Panthers – 32nd DVOA against the run. They are the worst run stop team in the league. Love it. So that's the debate, right? That I still don't fully understand after all these years. You want the offenses to be somewhat able to move the ball because you don't want them punting from their own 15, but you don't want them moving the ball so much you're going to score a ton. So being. You want the clock running. Tick. Yeah. (laughs) Tick. So. I, Ideally, they run it down to the red zone, when they and then they start passing, yeah, and they don't get it. Down. <laughs> we know that, but what I'm saying is, where is that equilibrium point that you'd rather the team be a little worse or a little better on offense if you have the under, right? I don't know the answer. I think Carolina's D is better than their stats, just because they've been banged up this year, and it seems like they've gotten a little healthier. And their stats when J.C. Horn came back. I mean, he his first his first game back, he had a ninety PFF grade. They only like, gave up two hundred and nine yards last. Yeah, last yeah so I think they're better than their season stats yeah. on defense. But Bryce Young, that was his worst game. I think it's fair to say. I might what, I might throw a little hedge. Like, yes, there'll be a defensive special team. That's touchdown. what I would worry about yeah. because yeah. that's or, what's going to train wreck us. If the we safety. Lose. Remember, you gave us the stats yeah, on Atlanta. on on Atlanta being the team yeah. that gets safeties. They got one. And yeah. last week they had a safety against them. Yep. I'm telling you, I mean, the Jets and the Falcons, baby. But you, the Jets are the ones that cause the safeties. Yeah. The Falcons are the ones that get the safeties against them. Well, they, so. uh, the Falcons also actually score safeties, and okay. they have them against them, too. So. Yeah, the Falcons had a safety against them last week. I texted the group. I was like, unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's interesting. The same game parlays just get you thinking about all different yep. stuff, you know? And, uh, you know, this is one of the games, actually, that I think what we did – 
with though it didn't work out, when you like an under a lot is you maybe look for no three scores in a row mm-hmm. because just the less scoring there is, the less chance there is of a team scoring three in a row. I, you know, I'm going to look any game under 35. I'm going to look at that and see if I think it works. Because remember, same game parlay, you only need two pieces. Yeah. Right. It's not like you got to have more than a two piecer. Um, and 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 then the question becomes, well, what happens if you think it's, you know, if you really think about it, and I haven't thought about this until recently, you can have an under with one team going over their uh, scoring. You can have one team going over their scoring by a good bit. But how many games are there that both teams go under, and obviously the game goes under, or both teams go over and the game goes over? And and, and what is that? How much more difficult is that? Than just going over or under. Because I do think in these same game parlays, if you go over or under one team, under the other, mm-hmm. and no three scores, there's got to be a, a serious correlation there. I'm just not, I mean, I guess I can do a study on it, but I've been thinking a lot about that. I don't know if anything jumps out. Speaking of same game parlays, it's a separate pod, it's a short one, usually like 10 minutes. We're doing the Thursday game and we do a collaborative same game parlay. Next All right, game here. we're down to games with no rating on them. Let's do it fast, Although this baby. Is Speed the, round. This is the Hitman's best bet. Minnesota plus three at Cincinnati. All right, so let's start with the Hitman because he's got the strongest opinion. We'll listen to the tape, and then we'll go from there. Best bet, Vikings plus three. I'm not sold yet on Jake Browning being the Bengals' savior. Browning has managed the game well but he is still completing a league-high 34% of his passes at or behind the line of scrimmage, and only Aiden O'Connell is throwing the ball less than 15 yards or further down the field. This week, the Vikings' defense will be the biggest test that Browning has faced yet. Minnesota, since week four, ranks first in EPA per play defensively. They rank second in DVOA since week six. Bengals' defense, on the other hand, 31st in yards per play allowed, 31st in success rate with both both offenses having similar weapons and the huge difference in defenses. I just don't see Browning as this significantly much better than Nick Mullins, who probably is a lifelong backup, but is a quarterback who has been functional in the NFL, owning a career 7.7 yards per attempt. Not that much of a difference in these teams. Give me the three best bet Vikings plus three. Okay, I got to be honest with you. I feel the other way on this game. If if this game were two and a half and it was valid that this could have came out two and a half, I had 2.75 as my estimated line in this game by reading the market. I would have had it on my card, Cincinnati. So Fez back from dialysis. Now, should you be drinking Coke Zero after dialysis? We've upgraded our food choices in the food room, <laughs> let me tell you. All right. So, <laughs> so There's since, Wagyu beef. <laughs> Cincy, Minnesota, and the as you know, the contest line was three, and the hitman had three, and he's, his best bet was Minnesota. I was thinking if this line came out two and a half, I was going to go Cincy. What's your thoughts on the game? Yeah, so I make it. I have a lot of uncertainty, Mm -hmm. all right? So in terms of my confidence um, levels, I don't know what to do with the Minnesota quarterback. And so, frankly, I I just kicked this one to the side and said, I don't know if Jake Browning is actually a pretty good quarterback. Mm -hmm. He's certainly playing like one, and I don't know about the Minnesota quarterback. And with uncertainties on both sides, I don't trust my power ratings. My power ratings do make it Bengals minus three. Not just Nick Mullen starting for Minnesota, but they're probably – 
they might not have their starting running back Alexander Madison, so it'll be the backup Ty Chandler who that's takes, probably good, right? Takes all the carries. Most people that are pros seem to be thinking Mullins is an upgrade, even though we've had uh, a lot of love for Dobbs. Uh, it seems like he. I don't know how. I totally get the idea. The first time in the league. You could fool them till they get tape on you, but how's he fool them for multiple games at every stop? But then he be- then he can't play a lick. But yeah. then, but Mullins couldn't play a lick last week. I, I mean, think about how bad that is. But, You're but, playing but, the but, readers, but you and- would make the case Mullins being put in one one won them the game, right? They got three points. That was the three they needed. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, I I listened. I like that. One of my things is I want to listen to the X's and O's guys or the former league guys. And I haven't heard anyone really bad-mouthing Browning. Like, a lot of the times, someone comes in, Cinderella, you hear about, it's going to turn midnight. I haven't heard that as much with Browning. So I think this is going to be a good litmus test for him because, obviously, Flores is is known for blitzing. And not only blitzing, but he does a lot of zone blitzing. Most blitzing happens when teams are in man coverage. They trust their guys. So oh, I, that might be a little outdated. I, I mean, with these synthetic blitzes now, I would say historically that's been the case. Just from what I hear, they got a lot of blended where it's zone on one side of the field, man on man, or maybe one guy's man. And I'm sure Brian Flores is, is a lot more yeah. intricate than what I'm saying. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm just saying that from a quarterback's perspective, it's a lot easier to beat a blitz when there's man coverage because mm-hmm. it, it, like you, so so do you think the blitzing you think usually blitzes challenge inexperienced quarterbacks yes. yeah and, and I think that this is the guy who's best him and Wink Martindale I guess are the, the guys in the league best known for their blitz packages it feels like this is a guy who could confuse Jake Brown allow me to push one. back on okay. this a little bit I actually think screen games are the best antidote for blitzes, right? And Cincinnati has one of the most com- – I mean, I'm not a big fan of the Cincy's offensive coaching staff, but by all accounts, their blitz or their screen game is as complex and advanced as anyone's. And the, and the running back you spoke about, I forgot his name. Chase Brown over yeah, the past just, he, couple just, of weeks with he, Jake Browning. He's been really going nuts on these screen passes. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, mean, I think both points are valid yeah. in that, that it's going to be interesting. Uh Mullins, the whole idea of the upgrade. Um, let me see here. Okay. Okay. And I'm surprised that JJ is playing for uh, Minnesota. He went to the hospital again, got injured. Um, and apparently, it was a ch- but apparently, it was what, like a chest injury, they said? Yeah. I guess it was a, I mean, precaution, but who's the, yeah. So he, I think he's, sp- we expect him playing? Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. I my, my thought was with all the questions at quarterback, I, I tend to lean to the team that's got the better defense. And I think it's clearly Minnesota. Uh, and I think they've probably got a little bit better coaching staff too. And I know you love Coach Lou, but uh, I, I, I like I, I like Minnesota's coaching staff in general. So I, I just gave them a little. Well, I think advantage. I think Minnesota is probably one of the most analytically forward teams. Um, to be honest, Flores doesn't Flores doesn't. It seems like a, a, a weird fit in a way, but but it's certainly it's, it's been working so far. You know, thinking about this, you know something. This is giving a lot of credit to Cincinnati, because if this, if I if you would have said like if I would have said Fez, we got Mullins, so it's just a backup quarterback, right? Let's say a normal backup, yeah. and let's call Browning a normal backup, which is being generous. No, I think it's being negative. Uh, well, it, it, given three weeks ago, that would have been extremely generous. Now it's but, being negative. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think if we split the difference, mm-hmm. you know, then. 
I mean, if we say Mullins versus Browning, I think three weeks ago it would have been Mullins. Now it's probably Browning, but by how yeah. much? If we throw out the quarterback and say it's even, I think at worst Minnesota is even. Meaning Minnesota is the better team, I think, other than quarterback. quarterback. I don't think it's I don't think it's close, to be honest. Well, I mean, the playmakers on Cincy are so good. Yeah, but the defense is so. I mean, they, well, but it's so bad. Minnesota's got maybe the best playmaker in the league. You know, it's, I'm, what I'm well, struggling with is is the preseason expectation because obviously we had Burrow being a top four quarterback, but mm-hmm. Cousins was like you know number eight or nine. So the difference between the two is like a point and a half. And since he had a, you know, we can do it this way. I think it actually makes sense here. Let's start at the beginning of the year and th- or go to the beginning of the year and think about how different Cincinnati and Minnesota was. And I looked at your numbers on this, and you had Cincy four points better than Minnesota. To start the year, that's right. Now, we believe, and you agree, so I guess we believe it, is that Burrow, back beginning of the year when he was healthy, and now he's out, was two points better than Minnesota and Cousins. That's right. Okay. So now we would say other than quarterback starting the year since he was two points better. Yes. All right. Now. There's been a bunch of stuff that's happened. Let's stick with the defense only. What have you done with Minnesota's defense upgrade? Significant upgrade, three points. Okay, and Defense is good now for Minnesota. We thought it would be horrible. What have you done with the defense of Cincinnati? Not as good. One point downgrade to the Bengal defense. So a net four-point advantage for Minnesota on right. defense or the changes since the start of the year. So if Cincy was two points better without the quarterbacks being considered, the quarterbacks are now gone. We'll talk about them in a minute. If there's a four-point net improvement, relative improvement, Minnesota, that means they're now two points better. What other factors other than quarterback are there? Just the backup quarterback. That's the only other factor. And home field. So Minnesota, I guess in theory, you could, price it like a neutral. Yeah, but I think in theory you could say there's been evolutions on the offense other than quarterback. I don't really think so. I, too, I don't think much. I don't think there's been any significant. You know, we're, we're, no one's talking about like. The oh the Bengals don't have receivers or the you know that the, there's been significant changes with the Vikings you know personnel also especially with Justin Jefferson's plan yeah so this is saying even if you count home field that if because three such a key number at, at you know being at three this seems to be saying that that Cincinnati's like two points better. Right, because I mean, if you say home field is two for out of conference, and I think that's fair. Right, so we had Minnesota's two points better. Yeah, give Cincy two for home field. Uh-huh. Boom! If they've got equal backup quarterbacks, this line should be pick them. And so somehow we got Browning now three more than three points because it's going to three, right? Right. So I think basically what's happened is short term sample. Browning's played two very good games, and the market is valuing I think it's three very good games. They're valuing. He played well. When yeah, he, you're right. You're right. So they're valuing Browning as being three points better than Mullins, which seems a leap of faith, which means three looks too high to me. I think so. AJ, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, like as we mapped this out, I, unless you think that Jake Browning is worlds better than Nick Mullins, and I don't. Uh, I mean, again. It, could he be? Sure, but based off two games, and we've seen Nick Mullins Three started games. 17 games. Well, two starts, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we've seen Nick Mullins start 17 games. And we saw career. we saw Dobbs look really good, you know, for a couple games with and Arizona. Then and, and, then, and then the same thing with Minnesota. So, like, I have Browning right now minus two. So think about it. You have Browning minus two. What did you have as in the starting? A, as a quarterback rating. I had him minus four. And so okay. I've upgraded him to minus two. 
that feels about right to me. I put him in right now. He's playing like Minshew. You know, that's do I expect that that would continue in his career? No. But right now, minus two, Mullins minus three and a half. So this, my numbers would say the way we did it, Bengals should only be laying one and a half. This is fascinating. It's a good game. I tell you this, I'm going to keep in mind this line because that three, I think, is going to offer value. I don't see this closing three flat. So I have some anti-Minnesota oh. numbers here. Okay. Um, it's just the, a spot. They're on a short week because they play on Saturday. But it's their second straight road game. Okay. So since the start of 2021, if you are on that short week and it's the second road game, 7-15 and 15 ATS by negative 6.41 points. Can you look at that back to 12? Yep. Hmm. Because... If it, yeah, that's interesting. Back to back and short. That makes sense too. Yeah, and twenty six, thirty seven, and one minus two point zero seven. That's a good. That's that's a good trend. That's good. That's so good now catch. what I did to narrow this a little bit is I added that your opponent is coming off of a home game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they're home for this for back to back weeks since twenty twenty one two and seven ATS minus eleven point five six points. I, I, I don't like say, the Vikings. If you go back to twenty twenty one, it's yeah. if you go back to twenty twelve, it's even. It's twelve, twelve and one. But it's minus two point four six. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, I would say that's one of your better trends of the year. I mean, I really was instinctive the way you did that. Cause like you're thinking, well, yeah. what is the short what is the short rest? Mm-hmm. How does it affect you? Well, if you're on the road again, you got more things to do, et cetera, et cetera. I like that. It's also anti-Denver, which is good for our Detroit bet. There you go. <laughs> All right, next game. Next game is Chicago at Cleveland. Cleveland minus three. Okay, I got some stuff on this one. So Flacco's playing better than anyone would expect. And Fez, I've heard it three or four times now, better than anyone this year for Cleveland. Remember, you were laughing at me when I said Flacco. I'm not sure. Are you coming around on that a little bit? No. I went back and I looked at Flacco <laughs> and his like he's got like three years as being a backup quarterback with a QBR that's like. Well, what about what about now? I, it's only like 50. His but QBR who were his class. weapons in those years? Yeah, but 50 is average. We're not so sure Watson was even average. Well, but, but but going back to Browning, it's like he's only he's got a very small sample size. So he's 40 years old. No, I'm just saying this year's <laughs> sample size. The sample size, the like, I mean, AJ brings up a good point. When he's playing for the Jets and he's got no weapons and he and he did nothing, yeah, you know. But it wasn't he wasn't horrible. He was like a backup quarterback on the season. The Browns are 28th in offense by DVOA. I mean, I even with Watson now, right? It, it strikes me this has been. I don't think they're worse than 28 now. Right, like that's the interesting question, right? They weren't that good all along. The defense. It is- does seem like when there's a wide open receiver in the secondary, for whatever reason, Watson like <laughs> needed glasses. <laughs> he couldn't find him, and Flacco can spot wide open receivers and throw the ball to them. Injuries here are bad for Cleveland. Hunt, running back, is. Uh, he looks like he's training not to play, but I don't know. We'll see. And Cooper has a um, concussion. Yep. So a lot of playmakers, it's a problem. By the way, Cleveland's defense has uh, faced the least number of snaps this season uh, or plays. They have 79 less plays they've had to defend than an average than an average team. So they get two bye weeks. Yeah, it's right. And, and just think about it, the high the highest ones that are on the plus side is about plus seventy five. The lowest is minus seventy five. So the difference between a plus seventy five minus seventy five is two games worth yeah. of plays. Wow. So I think later in the year that becomes pertinent. I agree. And, and we talked about their defensive home road splits, like how mm-hmm. I mean better at home, like almost twenty points per game better at home. 
And the Bears, like which obviously is not what the real numbers sure. are, but it's it's a big number. But the Bears, similarly, like they're a much better home team than road team. Now we've got them on the road. There's the Bears' scoring differential at home is plus seventeen. On the road, it's minus fifty six. Okay, I'm always a single season numbers like that feel very noisy, but but I hear you. I mean, let's just say this: it doesn't mean the opposite most likely. Yeah. Right? So the worst case, they're not going to be a you know a good road team, you know they're not a better road team than a home team at minimum. I'll uh, I'll continue my my take my my real belief from earlier about Philly. Cleveland's one of the teams I would say even with Joe Flacco playing quarterback, I would take Cleveland over Philly on a neutral. Like oh, I, I think, I'll take Philly. I think day, Cleveland day. is so good defensively. <laughs> I know it's crazy because I mean the world revolves around quarterbacks, but Jalen Hurts isn't playing as well as as people think. Not the MVP. Well, no one thinks he's playing all that well anymore. I mean, Scott still thinks he can win the MVP. What? <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> but I, I mean, to me, th- this team is so elite defensively that they can. It, it doesn't really. I mean, all they've got to do is not screw it up. And I feel like Joe Flacco understands that, and he's not going to screw it. He had years with the Ravens where his only job was not screw it up. Yeah. That, that that became the big thing was like, is Joe Flacco Elise winning all these games? Like, no, all he has to do is game manage, not screw it up. I, I think that's what he can do here. So what was the look ahead in this game? And by the way, as he's getting that Fez, quick three. Same. All right. So I would say Chicago is one of the surging teams of the last three or four weeks. No doubt. And they should have swept Detroit. Remember, yeah. they, the, the game they lost to Detroit was, was imminently winnable. They were like 98% or something in ESPN to, to win that game. So Cleveland beats the, the division-leading Jags, right, and that had their quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yep. The be- so it's hard to say that that was a – let's call that – I mean, it was right around the line, right? So we want to yep. call that a flat, you know, flat. Said result. they won by five. Yeah, they they they, they deserve the cover. maybe maybe a half a point upgrade, upgrade. just because of yeah. just because of Flacco more showing than that. more more than that because Flacco was much better than expected. Okay, then Chicago though, how much did they, I mean? Chicago almost had a coming out party last week, right? Yeah, pop them up a point for a very solid performance. It did get a dome team, you know, in in the elements. Isn't but. it strange that Chicago is no more expensive or or like it feels like Chicago? This would be the week that the numbers would change drastically. Yeah, and my power ratings made it two and a half, so I don't, okay. I, don't I can't get to three. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, it feels like we're getting Chicago cheap, which is good. But but on the other, if you take Chicago, but on the other hand, I think the Flacco, they, there's two major movements, right? Chicago's made a step to say we are a good defense, mm-hmm. right? And Cleveland is saying we're not really hurt by Watson not being here because Flacco's playing just as well, and that was commensurate, is what we're saying. Yeah. Almost. It's almost. And there's people. The Timber moment. Maybe we're better off. That's what I think. Next one. Kansas City, minus eight at New England. Okay. Was going to be Monday Night Football. They said, no thanks. So this is the first Monday game that's ever been changed? Flexed, yeah. Wow. Okay. I hope they didn't put Taylor Swift's plans awry. Oh, I would hate that. Were you guys against Taylor Swift? I love Taylor Swift. Then why are you saying that? I, I, I feel some passive aggressiveness against the Swifties. I am a Swiftie. I don't think so. I don't think you're allowed to be a Swift. <laughs> Why not? They'd arrest you if you try to be I a Swift. I don't care. I'm in. <laughs> All right. Why you got to be so mean? Me? Wow. I'm trying to protect the Swifties <laughs> from you. No. He, he oh, just used, is that a quote? He used a Taylor Swift lyric. Okay. Well, he does have, like, you know, kids that are that age. Shake I it mean, off, AJ. Someday I'll be Shake living in off. a big old city, and all you're going to be is mean. What's what's he saying there? That's another lyric. How do you know this? 
Because he's a Swifty also. We talk about this. <laughs> Straight out of Vegas AM. <laughs> if you want more of this kind of talk, you got your, your location. Right, I'll talk a little football. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make this my last game. I was so offended <laughs> by what just happened. I'm going to boycott the last two games. But I'll quickly give one more quasi-pick here. Kansas City team total under would have been my next play, I think, derivative-wise. I think it's another – one, you know KC's not going to look to run it up. I mean, Belichick, who knows what reports are correct. But at minimum, this is could be disruptive. I think with Belichick, you know he's not going to be. He's on to Kansas City, as he said. I think and this who knows this could be the last time these two teams Andy Reid goes against Belichick. Mm-hmm. I think I don't think it will be. I think he might be in uh the Chargers next year which would be very interesting. But I I think that if you look at New England except for against the Saints in Dallas which were I think were two weeks in a row their D's been good. And they're as healthy as they've been. They lost a lot a couple of guys early. Their first round pick, etc. They've been, they're as healthy as they've been the whole year other than that right now. I think Kansas City under is worthy of a play. I have a I lean to New England. I have a crazy theory here. I think that this Belichick news isn't a distraction. I think it's a relief. I think a lot of players— But, but they don't know that—first of all, everyone's denying it. So yeah, I don't that's, know that's a good point. But if it was true, it's like, by all accounts, um, Belichick's very ornery and can be difficult. But you know what? He is a Hall of Fame coach, and everyone respects him. It's like, I can play four more hard games for this guy, Hall of Fame coach, absolutely. That seems like uh, the opposite. I think when you have a hard-nosed coach or teacher or anything, once he loses his power, people are— Now we still respect him. And now now there's light at the end of the tunnel. I'll play hard for the Hall of Fame coach. You know what I really wonder is, is your opinion of millennials— doing them justice are they really as bad as you think they are because who in their right mind wouldn't want to play for bill belichick like think about that if you were um let's think a chess player would you think i'm going to go to bobby fisher's school of chess and he can teach me or i'm going to think you know what he seems a little again bobby fisher was pretty extreme yeah, and stuff. Like, yeah. but but what i'm saying is let's just say he by all accounts bill belichick is an honorable man like everyone that ever played a uh, under him for a long time, we'll say he had a better sense of humor. He was he wasn't he does he understood that at some point there's going to be business decisions made, so he didn't become buddy buddy with the players. But I it, it seems like there's a lot of appreciation of him. But you seem to make it like this new generation that wouldn't want to play for the best coach of all time. It's not just the new generation. If I'm a free agent, I'm not playing for that guy for the next five years. And, and I would make the following case: you are. A borderline. I don't. You. I don't want to say genius. You are brilliant, and I don't even say that very often to people I know. And I would make the case that your net worth is probably less. If you would have played your life out five thousand times, you're in a bottom third of your net worth, probably. Oh, you know, I'm going to disagree. Okay, no, because, because I want to hear this. No, why? Because there's so many professors. I was in. How I, much do you think you'd be making if you would have stayed at Transamerica? Oh, a lot more. But <laughs> but, but but if I had just gone the route, I was an engineer, industrial engineering. Mm-hmm. So if, if if I just taken an engineering job, there's no way my career okay, yeah, path yeah, yeah, would, yeah. would would have probably exceeded. But from the Transamerica. 
America's. You were there at yeah. what age? Like thirty, right? Yeah, 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 st- yeah, yeah. And I'm not. But that was. But at that point, it was. I. I. I mean, obviously, if I'd been a bond trader or you know gone to to, to Wall Street, I would have done better. Yeah. But absent that, if I had stayed in traditional professions, you know, there aren't very many professions that pay a million dollars a year. I mean, that's it's pretty rare. You know. No, no, no. I agree. And the only point I was making is usually guys in our profession that are even good. And maybe Billy Walters is the exception. I think he is. And not that there's not other exceptions. That they could if they would have went straight, they would have made more money, but it was it's not as it's not as much freedom. It's not as oh, much Exactly. Right? So I think sometimes we, we forget that like listen. I did not go to the coal mines with my dad, so I'm not going to act like I did. But there, it's like like work was supposed to be this horrible thing, and when you got out of it, you drank to forget about it, and and then you try to have a little fun on the weekend when you weren't hungover. You understand this, exactly. And I, I guess I just think these football players, a lot of them coming from you know impoverished upbringings, that a lot of them are like, this is my life's work. And I don't think the great ones are, or even the good ones are saying, I don't want to play for Belichick. I, but but I think, I don't know. I think the ones that might say that are the ones who have played for him. Like, I remember during when the Lamar Jackson thing was around, that he, was, he wasn't signed yet with the Ravens, and, and uh, he had said he maybe wanted to play for the Patriots. And Asante Samuel went on Twitter and said, Lamar Jackson, my brother, trust me, you don't want to play for Belichick. But but you, I would say a majority of former Patriots are very pro Belichick. I think it, I think most are, but I think there's some of them that that you know there's some who uh, veered off the path and they well like they when, won all these Super Bowls. It's a lot different when you're winning Super Bowls, and I mean you can put up with a whole lot. You they know, they went ten years. I guess well, we're contending for. A yeah, Super yeah, Bowl. that's a good point. But I don't know. I I that's an interesting question. It seems like the ones that. Wouldn't we agree that? Well, see, it makes your point too, Fez. I was going to say there's more Patriot Way acolytes than there are maybe Steelers Way. You know, there's a couple. There's not many teams you would say that there's a lot of people in the media that like they're like the Steelers guys are proud they were Steelers. Yes. And the Patriots guys are proud they were Patriots, but then they won a lot. So yeah, I know. But if you're great. Yeah, you're right. If Belichick was a hard ass and he never won, it would be hard to, to take. To use like the extreme example, like let's say every time you go on a road trip, your coach is like, "Oh, we're gonna stay at the Greenbrier for for you know for a week, you know, be away from the family and everything." Well, that's great if I'm uh, contending for a Super Bowl. If I'm going four and thirteen and my coach is screaming at me every day, it's like f that. I'm calling my agent. I'm gonna get the hell out of here and I'm gonna go what play for Arizona. It's late, so I can't get into it. Did, whoever did you get screamed at a lot? At any point, because I've never heard that. And you talk, that's one of your defaults. You're talking about, like, did you have a teacher or something that screamed at you? Or was your dad I, I screaming? Had, I, had, I had, my dad never screamed at okay. me. Okay. Yeah. That's not true. I mean, every now well, and then. Well, you know, but he wasn't a screamer. There was there was um, one particular person that I won't mention uh-huh. that um, I was in, in a job for a very short period of time. Oh. And she was a screamer. Yes. Okay. And your that, wife? <laughs> that made that well, made that's it, a different story, isn't it? Now? For everyone, no that 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 um that's hot. Are you drunk? <laughs> Can you, all right. I, I, am I gonna have to? I'm gonna let his mic stay on one more. All right, I'll give me one more chance. <laughs> anyway. It's an interesting debate because times are changing. My my buddy Dan Allen met this met met, met my boss. He's like, I, I got to get you the hell out of here. So he <laughs> helped set me up with. He's like, he he actually helped find me. You know, um, 
to, to explore, and I went to Transamerica right after, like, and that was... Oh, like, let's see, there you go. So, so thank you, Dan. All right. I think something you said, like, I think everybody's crapping on Belichick right now. Tits! <laughs> oh, sorry. And <laughs> you see how I just power through like a pro? <laughs> I think that Vagina! as much as people are crapping on him for what, I mean, obviously the record's terrible and the offense is terrible. What he's done with the defense given the givens of the season, like the injuries and stuff, it's like this is a really incredible coaching job on that side of the ball. Thanks for getting serious, all right. <laughs> all right. How about we take it from here? I, I'm RJ? out of well, here. Yeah, I'm you. out of here. See you next week. All right, let's look at a game that none of us have a pick on, and this is going to be Saturday. Pittsburgh plus one and a half at Indianapolis. Uh, anybody have a good feel here? I kind of lean to the Steelers. So a couple of things here with with these two teams. The Colts, in all six of their home games this year, have gone over their team total. They score when they play at home indoors. Total of this game is 42.5, but if you want to look at just the team total for the Colts, I, I don't know if as it just seems like, Asking the Colts to score three touchdowns doesn't really seem like a lot. It certainly doesn't. And, of course, the Colts have no defense, so that keeps us off the Colts probably. From a power rating perspective, I have the Colts a point and a half better. And they're home. And I'm only laying one and a half, so I would look towards Indy. But I have to tell you, I think it's a great spot for Pittsburgh in that. Well, there's a Tomlin spot. This yeah. Is, uh, mm. it, what, they've lost three out of four. Everybody says they suck again. And, and they've lost back-to-back games as touchdown favorites. And now they've had... They've extra rest time right after their loss on Thursday for, for a Saturday game. So they've got it's a nine six game, nine days of rest versus six days for a team that's going to be ultra motivated with the Steelers. And frankly, I would think that that would trump the uh, the power the small power rating edge for Indy. But I don't want to go against my power ratings, so uh, I don't disagree that there can be some points in this game. And frankly, I've been saying it all year long. One week I'll be right, although the Grand Salami did go over in all games last week. That scoring has to pick up at some point, and you've got a, a fast track here in this game. So I could I could be talked into looking over. Let me ask over. you a question. Do the Steelers score more than 20 points in this game? They score exactly 20. Okay. Well, Gardner <laughs> Minshew in his career, when his opponent scores more than 20 points, 2-17 and 17 straight up. Mm. Oof. So all the Steelers need is three touchdowns. <laughs> so I said the Colts maybe three touchdowns. They're their team goals 21 and a half. Can the Steelers get 21 points and then they'll win the game? I mean, you guys have, have sat in here and heard me bitch about how lucky the Steelers are. Uh, and I think finally, like, losing these last couple games, it's kind of started to catch up to them. Maybe the market's not as high on them as they were. I think the Colts have been pretty lucky, too. The Colts had, before the loss last week, they'd won three straight one-score games. And the only game in their in their little run that they won by more than one score was against Carolina, and it took two pick sixes for them to get any margin in that game. And the Titans win with the two, with the two block punts and the I, they're very lucky point. too. I I agree that they um, the the Plinko has gone their way. Um, you know, my gut feel like this is one of those games. It wouldn't surprise me at all to see Pittsburgh win this game, right? You know, I mean that's why well, that's why the line's so small. I'm staying on the sidelines. Either team. I would have no problem teasing. Something I've seen uh, in games with— As long as they're getting seven and a half. Yeah. I would not tease Indy at minus two and a half. Yes. Mm-hmm. In, in games with uh, with Jonathan Taylor, the Colts averaged 4.4 yards per carry. Games without him, they averaged 3.5 yards per carry. The last two games without him, 
like the, this most recent time he's been out, 2.5 yards per game, per carry. And that includes last week's game against Cincinnati, who is 28th in DVOA against the run. 2.5 yards per carry. And after starting the year bad, the Steelers have, have really kind of improved as a run-stopping team since Hayward's been back. Um, and I'm not going to try and sell you that Trubisky's good because I, I think he's terrible, but mm-hmm. but neither is Minshew. And at least I, I know Pittsburgh's going to be able to run the ball. Uh, the Colts are also very bad stopping the run, 26th in DVOA. This just feels like the typical Tomlin hype spot where yeah. he's going to get his guys up. The world thinks they suck again. You lost to the Cardinals and the Patriots. That means you stink, right? And if if the Steelers lose, what do they? What happens to them? They fall to five hundred, and yep. we've we've talked about it a lot. They get they got to finish above five hundred because that's just what they do. Uh, I, I again, I, I don't know that I'm going to be in it. Fez, you may be right. The best way to get at this would probably be a teaser. But if, if gun to my head and I had to take a side, I think I think it would be Pittsburgh. I think any Pittsburgh Steeler teaser is good because first off, they're ten and two in their last twelve one score games, right? They, this is they play close games and they win close games. But this is an interesting Mike Tomlin stat: when they open up at minus three or smaller, or they are an underdog. So we're talking about them being a dog or them just being a very small favorite. So it's a coin flip type game for them. They're 86-54-6 against the spread under Mike Tomlin. Wow. And Indies with that bad defense, the back door will be open with the teaser. So, I think so the Pittsburgh the Steelers, gets down 10, the, they'll, they, they'll cover the The teaser. Steelers side of the teaser is the best play. I agree. All right, let's look at Tampa plus 3.5 at Green Bay. Scott, what do you got on this one? Well, we know that LaFleur was undefeated in the month of December until last week, so now he's 16-1 and one straight up, 10-7 and seven ATS. But how about this for a quirky trend? The Tampa Bay Bucks. Fez, what do you make of this? Could be weather-related, but the Tampa Bay Bucks, in their last 15 regular season games in Green Bay, 1-14 straight up. Well, I think you nailed it. You're both teams playing you're a grass. Warm, you're a warm weather. You're a warm team. weather team, and now you're going to a different type of grass with those, you know, those heating coils beneath beneath the surface. And as RJ and I've spoken about, that slick grass surface that teams seem to struggle with so much. And frankly, it's going to be get out your sunscreen. It's going to be a balmy day in Green Bay. I think 38 degrees. Mm-hmm. But um, still, if you're used to 70, that's still going to absolutely impact you at Tampa Bay. I was thinking I wanted to play Green Bay, especially at minus three. The injury report's not good. Banged, banged up wide receivers for Green Bay. I don't think we can fire on Green Bay. Certainly not minus three and a half regardless, but even at minus three without some clarification that some of the receivers are going to play. What's the gap between Jordan Love and Baker Mayfield? Ooh, that's a good question. Let me see here. Um, so Jordan Love is a minus one and a half, and Baker Mayfield's a point and a half better. I've got him as an average quarterback. Does that feel right to you? They're my ratings. I mean, like, like when you really think about it, like, I mean, I, 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 I mean, by every statistical metric, Jordan Love's better than Baker Mayfield. Yes, it feels right to me that Baker Mayfield is better right now than Jordan Love. And Does that it, feel right to you, Scott? I don't know, because Baker is so mediocre in my mind. I feel like there's so much more upside with Jordan Love, and I just don't see it with Baker. I, I really don't. Uh, and And... Now I'm asking him to go on the road in a second consecutive week. He's catching points now. It's It, it hasn't been good for him going back-to-back road trips. I saw this stat and found it interesting. Over the last 20 years, go, when he plays back-to-back road games, he's the worst ATS quarterback out of 222 quarterbacks, 5-10 against the spread on back-to-back road games. 
Baker Mayfield. Hmm. Second worst, uh, the, the worst, the worst quarterback in the NFL in back-to-back road games. Maybe he just misses home. And then there's Todd Bowles, who is the worst coach in the NFL as an underdog. 15-42 and 42 straight up, 24-30-3 and three ATS. And don't get too excited about Tampa Bay's straight-up win against Atlanta last week on the Monday. Atlanta stinks. Monday pod we talked about. Atlanta stinks, and but Atlanta's better at home. But um, the stats greatly favored Atlanta yardage by 150 yards, yards per play by two. So clear, Atlanta won in the stats in that game. I think you nailed it, Fez. If it wasn't for the Packers' injury status, I think the Packers would be a play here. But A.J. Dillon didn't practice. They were already without Aaron Jones. Now A.J. Dillon didn't practice. You're already without Christian Watson. And Jaden Reed is now banged up as well. He was a limited participant in practice. So I don't know who's going to be healthy for this. Uh, the the third string, third wide receiver, Dontavian Wicks, left the game last game. And he didn't practice as well. So it's just a mash unit right now for Green Bay. Do you know what the look ahead was on this game, Fez? Look ahead, Green Bay was minus three and a half last week, right where it's at right now. Yeah, so no adjustment. I, I thought maybe that you're paying a, a tax on Tampa winning a couple games and, and Green Bay looking bad, but no. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't have a great feel for it, especially at three and a half. Okay, I gave them a little break. I'll be here for the recap. And then remember, we got the time shift with a lot of talk from Fez. Very stuff you don't hear many places, if anywhere. So if you're a contest player, for sure, check it out. AJ, we're going to go around the horn. Give us your five picks. Uh, my five-weight, Buffalo minus two, four-weight, Detroit minus four, three-weight, Seattle plus four, two-weight, San Francisco, Arizona over 47 and a half, one-weight, Baltimore minus three. Steve Fezzik. Five-weight, Detroit minus four, four-weight, Buffalo minus two, three-weight, the capable Tennessee Titans minus two and a half, <laughs> two-weight, RJ's LA Rams minus the six and a half, and one-weight, Atlanta, Carolina, no one will score under 34. What's the odds? I mean, you can get a no-touchdown odds, right? I don't think you'll be batting it. <laughs> Scott Seidenberg. My five-weight, the Giants plus six at New Orleans. My four-weight, Detroit laying four at home against Denver. My three-weight, Washington, plus six and a half at the Rams. My two-weight is the under, Atlanta and Carolina, under 34. And my one-weight, I've convinced myself I'm laying the three with Cincinnati. Oh, interesting. So you heard the all trend. of our analysis. Yeah, he loves those, the trends. Those, those trends with the short week and the back-to-back yeah. road games, I'm going with That's it. strong. Okay. You know what AJ's like sometimes? There's a movie, Donnie Brasco, great movie. Probably a lot of people have seen it. Is Pacino talks about, he goes, my ex-wife lives in the building. I see her in the hallway. I got to have two wine spritzers to relax. <laughs> All right. Five-way, Baltimore. First time ever, I think. Four-way, Rams. Three-way, Miami, laying the lumber. Two-weight, over the total, Washington and the Rams. Same game. And the one-way, under, Monday night special, Philly, Seattle. Okay, on to a very insightful discussion about the tournament, or I'm sorry, uh, handicapping contest. And remember, straight out of Vegas, Monday, Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Fridays each week. All right, Fez. So, back to hopefully not a tough time. Would you take the half mil guaranteed? Absolutely. All right. Now, the thing that I think makes it tougher, and I think even tough, is the branding value of being a three-time, 
you know, major champion. Where no one's won, even if you count, unless I'm mistaken, Circa, Millions, and the Super Contest, no one's won two of either of those combined. Exactly. Have you researched that? I have not. <laughs> no, I, I think we would know. But, but let's just say to our, you know, knowledge, yeah. Okay, so to have three when no one else has two... That 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 that's Hall of Fame stuff. I'm I'm going back to like uh, Hall of Fame stuff. I'm 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 with you. I'm 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 on board with talking about Hall of Fame issues. I'll go Dan Harrington. So Dan Harrington, uh, two final tables at the main events, mm-hmm. didn't win mm-hmm. either either year. People just remember his goofy hat. That's all. They remember. They remember. Well, Dan I tell Harrington. you this. That's interesting. They do. But they also, in a weird way, you're invalidating yourself because there's guys that's been top five in the Super Contest, like maybe even three times, right? I think twice. I don't think. I three. think it was two real, real close together. Yeah, maybe. yeah. But I guess what I'm saying is, hey, hey, that's great. Second's great. Third's great. Titles are. We count rings here, baby. <laughs> right. So you can't have it both ways. I would rather have <laughs> ten second places than two first places. Okay, but okay, what, from, what about but what about um, f- three titles or five second places? Oh, three titles. Uh-huh. Yeah. Even though mathematically the five would pay you more. No, it, it wouldn't. Well, well. Pays oh wait, half. It, it's ha- okay. So let's think about that a second then. Yeah. So if it's it'd be six and three. Uh, no, I, I was thinking five and two. That's what I meant. So sorry about that. So let's say two. What you have now, that's what you can fully understand. Two titles mm-hmm. or five seconds. What would you rather have? Two titles. I think you're right. Because yeah. it's just a two-time Super Contest champion. Uh, he finished in the um, top five um, four times. Sure. Nobody, no, nobody wants to hear that I was a two-time Stardust Invitational No, finalist. in fact, I cringe when I when you try to bring that up. Exactly. Because I, I was a loser. I lost both finals. <laughs> plus, plus, it was like 16 people in Sure. It. You won three rounds against like Larry Ness. Right. I mean, I mean, I won one round with a. I won one round. Scott, you weren't around. Uh, I went one five and His face one. This looked really sad right there. I went one that? five and one in advance, and everyone said I was an idiot. And then I went seven and zero, oh, and they're like, "Oh, well, maybe, maybe you know something." Short term. So it, t- it takes twelve and one to convince. Yeah. But what, what you know what it was? That was like your first success, right? It publicly, the startup. Yes. So that's what you you hold on to it dearly. Yeah, exactly, because that's the first time that like I was became any kind of like um, renowned. Not even renowned, even known at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Renounced too strong. You're, you're like, Mom, Dad, look. Look, I'm in the paper. <laughs> Larry Grossman said I was smart. <laughs> no. Love Larry Grossman. <laughs> no, no doubt. I mean, he was he was he was tough. I haven't talked to him in years. Is that right? He yeah. was tough. He he wrote a book called uh You Can Bet on It, right? And you it, can bet on it too. Yeah. That that's a rare one. That's how I got yeah. it. It's hard to find. Um I don't think I've ever mentioned this. I actually have, you know, there used to be, or I guess there's still, I don't even know if there is. It's called the Sports Monitor of Oklahoma, uh, which was the monitor, like maybe 1990, early 90s through 2005 maybe, where like guys like uh, Big Al or there was a guy named Special K had a service. They would upset, or there was a guy out of Pennsylvania, uh, Don Wagner, he was actually a Allegheny sport. Yeah, Allegheny. Yeah. It was Allegheny analysis. He was great at baseball for a while. I mean, and Phil Steele, Mark Lawrence, all those guys were part of that. Not part of it. They would compete, right? And they would get super serious on winning those titles because it would drive 
you know, their service sales sure. the, the next year. So I actually, would, for like two or three years, I put picks in there. I had three world championships. I was number one in college football bowls one year of everyone. And then I won a college football actual regular season title, too. Number one. Yeah, look it up. Very strong. And um, I think my I was I had 60% systems was the name of the one. I was a little optimistic, I think, at the time. I just didn't fully understand that. Um, and uh, I can't remember the other one. But uh, there was two. Di- yeah. But... I don't bring it up. In fact, that's the first time you've ever. <laughs> that's the first time I've ever heard. Of it. So, uh, so I think you should retire the start. If you finish top ten here, I think you should yeah, retire the yeah. start. All right. I was the Mosquito Open champion in poker too. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think the analogy of Dan Harrington's interesting because I'll be honest, I don't think in ten more years they're going to remember much Dan Harrington. Mm. They're not going to remember Greg Raymer. They're not going to, I mean, all of that stuff that seemed important at the time. I mean, think about it. Doyle, Doyle won twice, and there was uh, Johnny Chan. Yeah, 76 and 77, Doyle won. And I think he had 90 people the second year and 85 the first. I'm going by memory. You know, I'm going to, I agree with you directionally that they're not going to remember any of these main event winners. But I'm going to disagree that I still think that people feel like the craze went from Moneymaker and then into Raymer. That that back-to-back years that they won was almost—it was almost like the NCAA tournament. But Raymer didn't win it. Raymer won. Oh won. yeah, he won. Yeah, yeah. Fossilman oh. won. I think he won See, the year. I guess I did after after Moneymaker. It, it's almost like okay. everyone to use the NCAA tournament. It's like everyone remembers Valvano and NC State winning, and there was another Cinderella. Well, if you're above fifty. Yeah, 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 I mean that's really when the, like the, when the underdog was able, you know was able you know to go uh-huh. ahead and win in Villanova winning that. Title. Okay, so you're saying, but in the I mean Raymer ended up being a pretty good player. Oh no I mean, doubt, but but because I think he was he got in the top fifty or sixty the next year if I remember. Yeah, Raymer is you're absolutely right. Yeah. He is a he's absolutely a pro. You know, I is he you, top one hundred? No, but you know. No, I, I tell you this, it, it was so big. The year, you know, those couple years after Moneymaker, I still remember people like every day it'd be like, yep, they're down to 75 and, and not naming the people still in it. And it's just, that's not happening anymore. No one, no one cares anymore that I know. No it, one, like, I don't even know who won the main event it, last year. And there's more people competing. I think they just recently broke a record in the last year or two. Yeah. Right. So it's like they have as many as ever. Remember, when Moneymaker won it, there was only 700. That's amazing. And that was like a big jump, right? Because, like, uh, what was his name? Poker Jesus. Uh, Chris Ferguson. Ferguson was won it a couple years before mm-hmm. that. And, and there was, like, I think, let me think about 700. I think there was less than 300 that year. I mean, like, that's the kind of jump. It got to seven, and that was a big jump because those satellites started. But anyway, I think, why don't we do this? Just win it, and then we'll make it. We don't have to debate. I like that. <laughs> so at the end of the pod, we'll talk a minute or two about how you're approaching this. Are you? Um, and I know we talked about it Monday, but I'm interested in the alligator blood stuff because what what AJ was kind of saying, and then I jumped in because he was somehow he was in the last man standing. Who was it? Polly or Mitch? I think it was Mitch. Mitch got high in that last man standing and he had that as his nickname like for 10 years he won he won it he okay won. then that makes more sense <laughs> yeah, okay. so. interesting stuff it's exciting it's exciting so fez this is something we'll do this at the end i didn't even know this till a, a couple i guess a couple days ago you have a percentage in someone remaining 
in the survivor. Yes, I have 14% equity. <laughs> He's with, not holding anything back. With Greg Jones. And I'm. And, what, and what's his um, username? Is it Greg Jones? At, at, at LA Jones. Okay, okay. On, on X, yes. So now. He's on X and he and he he wins and he's on a psychedelic drug. Oh wait, I always think on X sounds so weird. It does sound weird. I mean, I don't. I usually think Elon. Elon is a genius. You think this was a misstep? I. It's funny. I know online marketing quite well, and when I and if, if I disagree even with Pepsi or Procter and Gamble, I think I'm right. I don't think I can feel like I'm right with Elon because he sees things that I don't see. But I tell you, if there's anything I think he was wrong about, it was that. But it's like when you've got this this huge brand that everyone knows, you, you could just show that stupid bird and everybody knew exactly what it was, and now you've changed it to a letter. It just doesn't make sense. He's always had an obsession with X. The first company he ever, the letter, the first company he ever had was X.com, which actually merged with PayPal, and that's how he ended up making his first chunk of money. He, he was a co-founder of Peter Thiel and a couple other guys, uh, the, the Russian guy that, that ended up doing Reddit, I think. I but um, the one that's dating or that's married to Serena Williams, I think he was part of that. So this was like the most brilliant. I mean, because Peter Thiel is a really billionaire, very intelligent. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think did he end up? Was it Reddit that he ended yeah, up? Yeah, Reddit. Yep. Yeah. So think about that. They they came together. It's Elon Musk, right? Peter Thiel, the guy that founded Reddit, all there when they were young in their late twenties or whatever. It's pretty powerful. Yeah. They figured some stuff. That dude, the Russian dude, is the one that figured out how to stop the fraud because that was the thing they were mm. so worried about all the fraud initially. But anyway, we'll see. We'll see. So the latest news with 13 survivors remaining, equity a little over 700000 for each one, $9 million is going to be the split. There's probably only going to be a couple winners the way it looks right now. So they're trying to cut a deal, and not surprising with 13 people so who, left. Who's trying to cut a deal? The 13 survivors. Nine of the 13 people are aboard with chopping a portion of the prize, and not surprisingly, it doesn't look like they're going to get all 13 people to agree. So— is there a way to do it? Now, you think they're holding out for a better, like, to come in at a premium? That would be logical, but that's not, I haven't gotten enough input yet on, you, on why people haven't come aboard. And obviously, the, the messy part is everyone doesn't have the same equity. Some people do have a better path that is documented in Survivor Atlas on X that talks about, like, one dude, his entry is worth, like, a million, and the lowest person's really only worth 500,000. Better teams left to choose. That's what I was going to ask. It's, like, almost having a bigger chip stack, like, if you it's somehow say, It's exactly the, the analogy. Staff. And, and yeah. the way that I always oh, approach that. Oh, I don't that, think that's exactly the analogy, is it? Because a chip stack is objective. Actively, the case in this case, we don't even have very good lines. I mean, we can be, I think, broadly, we can say, but it's not about how good your teams are, it's about what situations they have in the next four weeks. Yeah, yes. you could have teams right. yes. that are favored in the next four weeks. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, I agree. So, it's not about power ratings of the teams, it's about it's who about, they play. That, exactly right. Well, okay, well, you know, well said. And and I've always been a, a huge believer. I hate the guys that like the, when they say, like, in the final table, yeah, you want you want to make a deal, and the guys that just say no. I always thought the classy way to do it is to say, you know what, I'm sorry, I'm going to need and just make, you know, make make a reasonable counteroffer that's that's a good deal for that person, but isn't just a flat out no or a ridiculous counteroffer. But don't you think there's at least in this the chopping stuff, there's some element of intimidation? Yes. Where if you'd say no, I wouldn't even consider it. 
all of a sudden, are you going to be as confident if you're the other person? Stewie Unger famously once said, like, first prize in a gin tournament was $750,000, second prize was $250,000. And the guy said, you want to chop it? And Stewie's like, well, why don't we just play for a million and winner take all? You know, <laughs> I don't want to chop it. Let's, let's put it all in the middle. And I will defend you guys a little bit because my instinct is to think, you know, uh, wimps when we hear chop. But there, but there is theory, not even theory, practical theory, that says that if it's life-changing money, it, it's not all about the percentage. It's not all about, well, your theoretical here is, is X. Oh, there you go again. Um, or Y. It's the fact that you'd rather, you know, the great example is, would you rather have a 50% chance at $100 million or a 100% chance at $40 million? And, and I like I'll take twenty four million. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. So you would take twenty four instead of a half fifty uh, percent chance at a hundred. Yes. Because your thinking is the utility of the difference between twenty four million and fifty million is small, but the utility from your current net worth to twenty four million is is large. Exactly. Yeah. But if you're ta- do you are you anxious for a chop? I, I, you're you know a mod you know. A mo- but I guess it's not that modest. Yes, if 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 I could if I could chop it and get my equity, eh, heck yeah, you know, because then I can make more money off so of what, that. So what's the proposal in that? What what is going to be how? What would have been chopped and what would have been? It's a great proposal. Mm-hmm. So everyone's entries were seven hundred twenty-four thousand, and they're sharp. They're like, we don't need to chop without all a adju- this. without adjustments. Without adjustments, yes. So you just divide the prize pool by thirteen. So they're saying, well, we're not going to divide nine point three million by thirteen. We're going to take. We're just going to take some off the table. We're going to guarantee everybody. I think it's five hundred thousand. Everybody's going to get five hundred. So, so more than two thirds would be yes, chopped. Yes, and well, that could, seems a little weird. It could be a little high. It could be a little, you know. So, so maybe it should be three hundred fifty thousand. Whatever you know. But the yeah. idea of everybody getting guaranteed. Remember, eight dudes just got eliminated on Monday. One of which had the Miami Dolphins up fourteen with three minutes to play, and they have been eliminated. I, I just had a I just had a brilliant idea. Hmm? If you do this, I get a percent, one percent of your percent. If you do this, uh-huh. and, and you can sure. tell me you've already considered it, and then I'll have a private eye look into it. Sure. You guys have a group that does a chopping deal. How many, you, th- you think there'd be, what, nine or ten in it, and how many not in it? Would you Probably think? ten, I think, is the over-under. And how many would be? Three would be outside. Okay. And then you find a way, and this might be tough exactly how, you tend to do a chopping deal, and then you collude. They're already doing it. It's already. It's already. The, the the idea has already been spun. Yes. Okay. But how would you collude though? That's what's interesting. Because well, you wouldn't all. all no, t- I understand. But what I'm saying is, you wouldn't want to give away who you like. Correct. You do want to give away who you like. It's the exact opposite of another tournament. You want to tell people, guys, I'm taking Kansas City this week. So if you're dumb if it's enough, true. If it's true. If it's true, because if so, if you're dumb enough to take Kansas City, you can't win solo. But we're both. But no one's going to win. So no one's going to win. But you hear so- what I'm saying. By yeah. by giving out like ideally, if there's three people left, as an example, but let's there's say, thirteen. But go ahead. But, let's say but how many viable picks are there? Is the I first understand. Question. So let's say there's three. Let's say there's there's two seven point favorites. Okay, mm-hmm. and no one else has. You have to choose, and everyone has those available. And there's three people left. Mm-hmm. I would blast it out. I'm like, I already submitted. I took the Chiefs. You know, and boom. You show the ticket. Even. I'd even show the ticket and like boom. You'd have to be an idiot to take the Chiefs then. Fez already took the Chiefs, right? Mm-hmm. So let's think about that logic. 
I, I, I feel it. it. It doesn't come second nature to me. So it's really an extension of the idea of the metagame of saying you don't want to be with everyone else be in general because you can't I, I've always under thought of that as you can't make up ground that way but what making up ground is in this case is winning when the other person loses you could both lose now if you were if you were heads up and and that person you knew who he had I think it would be smart well one see I, I disagree with you Fez there's so many I mean tell me if you I think there's another element to this a chop effectively is everyone winning the rest of the year is a yeah, chop too. Yeah. Right? So to some degree, you guys could all pick the same games. If you all pick the same games, you would guarantee a chop. So if, but but if, even it will if you never get eliminated because they don't they don't have all the same. Teams I understand available. So so but I do think there's some advantages to being if it's three people and you all three and if you knew the first two were on a game, would you be looking to play on it or against it at that point? I'd play a, I'd play a different game. Oh, oh, if you thought, but what happens if you thought that game had a one percent better chance of winning? Wouldn't you rather have the three way? Because I guess the point is, if this no. if this game would go to perpetuity and there was going to be one winner, I agree with you. But isn't winning getting to the end without losing? It's co- it's complicated. But if I'm down to three and both guys are on the same pick, they they both just lost huge equity. Even if they took if they if they took a seven point favorite and I took a five point favorite, I have the most equity in that contest. Easy. Even if. So how would you figure that mathematically? Well, I because I'd have a um, the dog is going to win. Let's say the dog's going to win thirty percent of the time. All right. Okay, because we're and doing a seven point this is a straight up bet. Okay. All right. So thirty percent. Boom. Thirty percent of the time, I win outright. If you win, it, it no. It, it, if oh, you I would win. go the other. Would you go the other way? No, I would take a. No, of course not. I take a well, five okay, point. Well, I take a. To, I take a well, five. You, what you just said seemed like you were going the other I, way. No, so I will take. I, I, I'm going to. I'll, I'll take a three point favorite. You can have your seven point All right, favorite. Go ahead. Okay. So the probability I win outright and I scoop. Okay. I have a sixty percent chance of getting my game right, mm-hmm. and I have a thirty percent chance that they go down the drain. Mm-hmm. So I win eighteen percent of the time. Okay. Outright. Okay. Sixty percent of the time times seventy percent of the time. There's a forty-two percent chance. That I get a um, a three way chop. We both win. Okay. All right. And then let's no, say, this wouldn't be a three way chop. It would extend to next week. You're I, saying, I'm saying if this is the last. Okay. One. Go ahead. Go ahead. And then the third example is that we both lose. Okay. So I lose. Uh, there's a forty percent chance of that, and there's a um, a thirty percent chance they lose. So I got a twelve percent chance to get a three way chop by both of us losing. So I've effectively I came in with the one third chance to win. So now 54% of the no, time— No, no, no. I think the key here is that there's a 6% more you have the great result than the bad result. Yeah, so 28% okay. of the but, time I lose, and, yeah, 18% but up, it's and, 18, yeah. and 18% of the time I win. So obviously that's that's damn good because— well, well, No, eight, it's 18, and and you, wasn't the other one 12? If if it's—I'm it's, just summing the remaining probability. So 18% plus 54%, 72%. So there's a 28% chance that I lose. Okay, we did a little stop of recording so Fez could lay out what he was trying to say to me. And I think, well, first of all, if your goal is to win and you're not worried about trying to increase your chance of getting the chop along the way, the way Fez laid it out is clearly mathematically that um, going against, even with the lesser, the two, let's say, that had the same, going against that, even if your pick had to be a little bit of a lesser pick because there's only so many to choose from, it still would be worth it. So we were saying it was like a, a 60, 70% winner against a 60% winner. You would take the 60 if the other two were on the 70. Yes. Where it gets a little more complicated or more complicated is the closer you get to having a chop be what actually happens. 
all of a sudden the uniformity of being on the same um, on the same side uh, has value because it gets you towards a chop. Yes, and and with nine million dollars in play, my goodness, three million <laughs> is worth a lot more than having an expectation of three point. Eight million fraught with risk. Yeah, that that's it. So the, everyone would have to choose based upon how much they wanted to effectively hedge. Yes. All right, that's interesting. I, uh, honestly, as good as anyone, or better than I. Always, I don't like to always say the best. I like to say as good as any, but the best meta game. And I've read a lot of books on on gambling, and I think you have insight. No one book or even one author has had as many insights as you've had, in my opinion, on this kind of thing. So I uh, I think it's particularly good. Any thoughts, AJ, on this? I I sometimes I heard you guys trying to do the math, and it just like my head starts spinning. So I've got no thoughts on it. <laughs> I, the one thing I was going to ask you is how valuable is winning the prize like you always say like the the The, like the branding side the branding side of it like if so if you chop with five other people you can say well i'm i was the circuit winner but well listen if you no 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 if you go all the way through survivor i think you you're the champion of survivor first of all you would have the winner this year what would your over under be for the number of people that, that go undefeated two that's what you mathematically you think yeah okay so let's say it ends up being two. That will be the biggest contest winner in the history of contests. Both of them. Okay. Right? Yes. So, so no, I, one, no one's ever won $4.5 In sports betting contests. Last year, there were three survivors that chopped the pot. And I don't recall. And there was even, I think it was only, it was only $6 million or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Was it? I, think, I think that was it, right? Yes. So, yeah, I think if you win the most that's ever been won, you probably feel pretty good. Okay. Now, I think if it was 10 or 12, you still win. But it's going to be loud. Everyone talking about being, the you know, all the radio shows that say, we got the champion on. Well, you know. So, <laughs> but... These things always end up, I mean, obviously Survivor is going to end up being one game, effectively. But, I mean, things like the Super Contest, the Circa Millions, it's rare that someone gets a two-game lead or yeah. finishes with a two-game lead, right? When you won the two Super Contests, your lead, your final lead was what? Oh, half a game? Half a game, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think you have many half-game complaints. I, I, I think this. I think the <laughs> San Suchi team one year won by margin that they just like styled in the Westgate like over seventy percent all year long. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah. See, the thing that always blows my mind is how they used to have a sixty-seven percent bonus. That like it was hard to, but I guess it's all about how many people do. Yeah, it, right? now, now you need sixty seven percent to get paid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. All right. Well, listen, we we're gonna time shift this to the end. So, Fez, um, why don't? Well, let me ask you because since we're going to the end, what kind of role are you having with the picking of these picks? I am an advisor, mm-hmm. um, but this guy has done very well without me. So I'm just providing guidelines. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. How how having said that, he was. Pat myself on the back. He was going to go with your Steelers last week, and I I, ta- I consulted with him. That was a Thursday game. I was like, boy, the marketplace really does not like the Steelers. I, I thought that thing got up to six and a half. No, or it was the Arizona. It, in it, yeah, it went down. It went down to like five and a half, and he could play. And the Saints were like right around five and a half. So it was the same spread. And I said, I really think you should stay off. If it was, I said, if it was oh. me, I said, it's your decision. You've done great without me. But I'd be very cautious about playing Pittsburgh. So, and, and the night before, he, and he, hit, he took the Saints. Yeah, he took the Saints. 
I got to tell you something. <laughs> if it was my choice, now in hindsight, obviously, I would have went with Pittsburgh. The Saints scare the hell out of me. They're, they're so, they seem more erratic than you. 200 crummy yards, but they blocked a punt. <laughs> they were opportunistic. So, wow. That would have been, I would have waited a week to start making fun of you for going against Tomlin. And, and we didn't even know. Oh, I guess you would have been with Tom. Oh, I, I'm happy you didn't go with Pittsburgh because then you would have been sour on the Steelers. You didn't even know who was going to play quarterback for the Saints. I know. Well, see, that's. You were potentially risking $9 million or whatever on Jameis Winston. And, but post LASIK. <laughs> he had, he had a, other options. I mean, it didn't have to be the Saints also. You know, he could have pivoted if, if there had been bad injury news and, and played pu- somebody else. It's public knowledge that who everyone has left, right, of the 13, what teams yes, they have left. Yes. So um, where do you think your, uh, your shared contest that you're, a sub, you know, you're secondary with um, who, in, this, in the Survivor, who do you think has the best um, s- fleet of teams or, or, or uh, I guess, portfolio of teams left? I have not checked their work, but Survivor Atlas on mm-hmm. X has done this, and there's one team do that— Do you trust people on X, AJ? I think they're usually erratic. But go ahead. They say we're the number four-ranked team, and our equity is like 790000 but there's what's your set do you know anything about the teams that are refusing the chop no hmm. but you want to chop really bad no i'm fine either way okay it's not i don't have enough of an equity i got 14 percent, so it's 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 fine it's fine either way let me just say this much i i sent a tw- uh, or a text to fez today first time in like three weeks saying hey i like a piece and Let's just say that there's a shared interest in that game, which I thought yes. was pretty interesting. So, <laughs> all right. It's like your timing is good on this. <laughs> well, it's a good. Maybe a bargain the other way. Um, all right, Fez, this is going to be the end of the pod, so you can take us out. Hey, hey, be careful out there. Circa Millions, stay tuned next, oh, Monday night. We'll be taping Tuesday overnight release. You'll see how Fez did. And the, if he does bad, we're still going to do it. It doesn't matter.